Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. I call you deer all the time. I what are you, what are you talking about? I've told you before I don't like deer. So you're, you're telling me it that... It sounds old lady-ish. I, I, yeah, I definitely call you deer. Look, I'm not the character Deer from Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't that not his his name? What are you talking about? It's Deer, obviously. Why else would it be in the title of the play and the movie? It's not a play; it's a musical. I, th- isn't I it? thought um, musical play, same thing, same same. I think a lot of people would be <laughs> I was very gonna, upset by that. I was going to say, I just I just heard a, a, like a hundred tor- uh, pitchforks and torches being hoisted into the air. As a like non-musical person who only occasionally sort of like dips my toe into them, mm-hmm. I'm like, I usually don't get it. Yeah, yeah. But same. like people that like musicals are very into it. There's, It's a specific breed. Um, it's definitely a very, very specific breed. When I was listening to that video about Dear Evan Hansen and she was talking about all those other musicals, I'm like, I, I had no idea mm-hmm. that was even a thing. Like yep. there was a Mean Girls musical. Nope, there's didn't a Heather's know that. musical. I'm like, how many movie adaptation musicals are there? Because it seems like there's a lot. It seems like there is a lot of them. Um, like a lot, a lot. And I don't know. Was there like a big trend like a year ago or something like that? I, it's the only thing I can think of. I'm so far removed from the musical world that I actually believe there were only like four musicals out at any given time. Like I thought there Wait. was like <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Well, yeah. Wicked. I, like I think Phantom of the Opera is pretty. It's like Phantom of the Opera and Cats is like always Cat, running. Is Cats always running? Yes. <laughs> yes. Even now in the year of our Lord 2021. I think so. I think it is. It's like I want my like two and a half hours that I spent watching that movie oh adaptation my God. back. I it is the most <laughs> horrifying thing that has ever been committed okay, to film. We, we we probably shouldn't go off into onto a rabbit trail about cats the, the movie. Probably. Um, mostly, you, we mostly probably because shouldn't. I, I think we've already done it. Like I think we've already done I it multiple care, times. I don't care, John Mark. Cats cannot be merged with human faces. It is not right. It is not the laws of nature, and it is spitting in the face of God. And I don't care if you don't believe in God, but that's spitting in the face of God, okay? (laughs) It absolutely, it it is. We are playing in God's domain there. (laughs) Um, Man was not meant to play God. We can't just decide to merge cats with humans. That is not how it works. Even God's forgiveness has limits. (laughs) And James Corden of all people is oh like my God. front and center. And I'm <sighs> like, what is this can, movie? Can we just get something that doesn't have James Corden in it? Like the past like two years has just been like the stench of James Corden on everything. He wasn't in Dear Evan Hansen. Maybe we should go see Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is one check in the pro. That's a big, big check in the pro list. Honestly. Well, I, I've heard that Ben Platt is great as Dear, so... So th- is his like mom a deer or is his dad a buck? I think it's both. I think he's actually a deer. He's actually a deer. Oh he's my a deer with anxiety. Someone needs to remake Dear Evan Hansen 
only Evan Hansen is a deer and everything <laughs> yes. else is exactly the same. But the but the deer has no lines. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll learn to love. <laughs> you know. Actually, I don't think it would make it a worse movie. I think I don't maybe think it, it would, would make it a better movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, has there has there been someone who has been enterprising enough to edit together a couple of scenes with a deer standing in for Ben Platt? Because hmm. that might be something that needs to happen. Because uh, yeah, Ben Platt is already pretty uncanny, like hardcore uncanny canny valley adding in a deer like an actual like forest animal deer i think might actually make it better and less uncanny valley-ish one serious note so we've seen footage from the actual musical where his hair is normal why in the movie did they make the choice to give him like Like a a weird curly wig I don't know. It's like the worst thing I've ever seen. And like for that alone, it should win every Razzie available. Yes. The only thing I can think of, and I've, I thought I've heard that Ben Platt is actually a really nice guy. But the only thing I can think of is that just like the, the, the like props department just hated him or something. And just like, <laughs> we're just like, all right, give him, give him the worst wig we have. I have heard his dad was like instrumental in getting this movie made. So mm. maybe there was some resentment over that. Yeah. There might've been a little bit of a, okay, cool. You want to play a 14 year old? Here you go, Mr. Guy. Go have your dad yell at me again. We're going to do your makeup real good. Real good. So you look really young, real young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. I think we might be onto something there, actually. Okay, so we've done, like, year-old, like, musical theater bits now. Mm-hmm. Um, what else could we possibly do um, that's super topical and oh, relevant right now? Let's see. Have we talked about the 2012 election? Uh, we could probably talk about that. Have you decided who you're voting for? I sent them my ballot, like, last week. So uh, they should be getting back to me, right? That's how that yeah, works. Yeah, no, they should confirm that they've received it. Yeah, okay. You voted for Ralph Nader. Bob Dole. Bob Dole? Bob Dole. As a write-in candidate? As a write-in candidate, Rest yes. Rest in peace. Yeah. Okay, so that actually, hey, <laughs> we worked back to topical relevant to- content. Wow, okay, Bob Dole died uh, like four <laughs> days ago. <laughs> we bring you this late-breaking content about U.S politicians Mm -hmm. and people who haven't been relevant since the 90s yeah yeah because that's what everybody comes here for is the the late breaking relevant content bob dole Dole. Dole. yes they they can count on us for up Mm -hmm. to the minute commentary and we're very six months later to talk about this obviously yeah I don't know if you know this, John Mark, but I have a minor in political science, so oh, shit. I okay. really I'm so know sorry. what I'm talking about. I didn't know who I was talking to. <laughs> I'll step down. Go ahead. <laughs> that was about it. Oh, okay, but. okay. That that was all you had. Um, yeah. So we've got our you know our finger on the pulse of what the youths are into these days, and uh, Bob Dole is it. Yeah, he was like 98. He yeah. lived oh, a long wow. life. I think it's just a really fun name to say mostly Bob Dole. It really it rolls off the tongue. Name. It is a great name. Yeah. 
but I can't I can't hear Dole without thinking like related to like the banana company. We've, I wonder if it, I wonder. All right, <laughs> we've really exhausted you know our topics that come to the front of our mind, and as you can see, our, our minds are just jumbled and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. lots of random subjects up there. It's so. really a wonder that any of us get either of us get anything done. We are here <laughs> to talk about something that you love, John Mark. Wait, what's that? The penultimate chapter. Oh, that's oh. You love is, the word penultimate. It is the penultimate chapter. That is correct. We are at chapter eleven mm-hmm. of Lady of the Lake, mm-hmm. and it's hard to believe that we are finally we have here. One more chapter left, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna release it before yep. the winter season two. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. Hell or high water. <laughs> we're going to do this, folks. Well, this is gonna happen. Yep, definitely gonna happen. Don't say it like that. It's definitely going to happen. How does it inspire confidence? No, it's definitely going to happen. How does that not inspire confidence? It's totally going to happen. I think it is. It's definitely going to happen. We're, we're going to make it happen. We're Yeah, exactly. It is our Christmas present to ourselves and mm-hmm. to you. Through blood, sweat, and tears, we will make it happen. This is really for you, that one Canadian listener. Yes. Yep. Uh, you keep us going on cold nights. <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to Mm. listeners who have reached out through my Instagram drought. Um, Life has been hitting pretty hard recently. And, you know, I haven't been doing a great job of keeping up the social presence. But I appreciate you, listeners. You listening and giving us feedback is what makes this all worthwhile. I say that with, you know, absolute sincerity. Mm. Thank Mm -hmm. you for listening. Thank you for following us. I don't think we always provide the most relevant content, but I hope that you are able to, you know, get some enjoyment out of this, whatever yeah. this is. Yeah, <laughs> whatever this is, is a good, a good way to describe it, honestly. Um, but yeah, like we, I, it's funny cause like we kind of work in a vacuum a lot in this regard, but then like every once in a while, like, um, we we check our dms and it's like oh oh my god <laughs> like there's people that are actually listening and like we you know they have things to say and they're interesting and people care about us and um shout out to that one listener who we were their number one podcast in their uh spotify 2021 20, wrapped yeah yes like, thank you so I, much it's not <laughs> like i'm we're not even our our my top podcast for our spotify my spotify it wrapped. my mind and yeah. like honestly uh, we were number two for me but <laughs> yeah like honestly i thought when we started doing this it would be nothing but like mean comments about how mm-hmm. like our understanding of everything in the witcher well, you guys is clearly don't awful. understand anything and uh, you're completely wrong uh but this, like so the nilf guardian uh, ripley armor <laughs> is clearly designed to deflect uh sword blows and you should never take umbrage to the fact that the nilf guardian armor has ripples in it, it during the tv show that's what i thought it would be yeah like, and I have just found like some of the kindest people um, that really just care about The Witcher and like are invested in the books and the TV series. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is a great fan base. And you can't say that. It it really is. You can't say that about every fan base, but everyone's so helpful and Mm -hmm. nice. And I'm like, I think that does speak to the work. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it does speak to, you know, the level of compassion and understanding in these books. And I think it draws a specific kind of fan. Yes. Um, There is a very, very specific type of fan who, who is drawn into this series. And I think it's very... I think they're they tend to be very community oriented 
Um, so like, I think they get really engaged with like, uh, content and things like that. Um, obviously like that's kind of heavily driven by the content that's generated for it because there's a lot out there. So, um, we're kind of happy to be part of that narrative and we're happy to contribute to that. And, uh, I guess we'll see on the other side of, uh, the next episode. So, yeah. So sorry to get a little mushy there, but, you know, getting to the end of this mm, book mm. series is making me feel a lot of things. And um, I'm excited, as I know a lot of you are, to see the second season of this show that mm-hmm, started it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to be recapping that. But first, we got to finish this. We have to finish the fight. Uh, and that starts with chapter 11 of uh, Lady of the Lake, which is the penultimate chapter. And what does penultimate mean? The second to last, I know. Well, should we or should we not no. stop vamping? Nope, nope, nope. Oh, yes, we probably should stop vamping. We definitely should not move into the long and the skinny uh, and actually get into the plot summary of the episode. Okay, what do we do now then? We could talk about agriculture. Okay, let's move into the summary. All right, fine. That's probably what people are here for anyways. So we open on a reading that talks all about um, the many glorious acts that Saint Philippa, um, that led to Saint Philippa's martyrdom. Um, so right away we learn that Saint Philippa went through many acts of torture at the hands of Wilmarius, who is that sketchy priest that we encountered last chapter in chapter ten, who said that Philippa would pay. Philippa is arrested, she is tortured, and she withstands so much torture that the people doing the torture like recoil in horror. But eventually she dies, and um, in that death she becomes Saint Philippa. And later, um, Will Marius dies a horrible death as well, so we learn that he doesn't come out of this unscathed. But from this we're seeing kind of a shift in how Philippa is seen in the future which is very interesting what did you make of this john mark um it was really interesting because i mean we she's kind of reviled in like the present day during our our story um she's not my favorite character by any means so it's really weird to see her canonized in this way yeah one of the things that um she's praised for in this work and it seems to be some sort of religious text um is that she never divulged any information while she was being tortured so she withstood all this pressure so it's interesting that there's a lot of you know myth making that has to go into this and it makes us really pause to consider like how she gets from where she is in this chapter to there mm-hmm. so interesting Um, We do open on three riders that are riding with such pace as to create ghost stories among the towns that they ride through. Um, We learn that they fit very similar descriptions as Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri. Surprise, surprise. And um, after some time, they ride up to um, this man who is an unhoused person, shall we say, um, his name is Pegleg, and Siri asks if he's from around here, which is kind of an ominous question. And he says, yes, he was born here in jealousy, and he imagines he'll be here for, you know, the rest of his life until he dies, which is, you know, a vibe. Siri asks if he had been there um, last year in the month of September. 
he says in a roundabout way yes and she goes on and says that six children have been murdered here do you recall and Pegleg suddenly sees something in Siri's eyes that makes him realize that this is the same girl that was here in September that survived and um Pegleg responds that he does remember that. And Siri says, well, you must know where the bodies of those six children are buried. Take us there. So Pegleg brings them to the town boneyard. And um, Siri is really expecting them to just have been tossed somewhere, you know, without a care. And um, she's really touched and surprised when she sees there's this beautiful like grave for each one of them and she walks towards the gravestones and she falls to her knees and she turns to Pegleg and says who who did this and Pegleg points out that it was one of the town widows and a younger man in the town who insisted that all the youngsters be given a proper burial and Siri asks where they are today. She wants to thank them. And Pegleg says that unfortunately the widow passed away and the younger man joined the army but was killed during the war. And um, Yennefer tells Pegleg that the town has been blessed for their humanity in more ways than they'll ever know. Um, that's a really interesting line. And, and Siri is you know kind of paying her respects to her friends um if it's not clear this this is the final resting place of the rats so siri is you know touching her forehead to the stones she's really saying goodbye to everyone and it's a really really nice moment when you realize that the rats weren't just discarded that they were actually given this proper burial by people who kind of cared I don't know that they deserve it, but... <clears throat> um, That's a separate discussion. Yeah, it's a separate discussion. I think what's so touching about it is that it shows there's humanity when there hasn't been a lot of humanity showed in these towns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the other interesting thing, or well, what Yen was kind of saying, we both kind of agreed that it, it sounded like she was saying that they were blessed because the war passed them by. Um, without really having to, without really causing much harm to the to the village, so we we kind of think that that was what she meant by that your your town has been blessed in ways that you don't even know. Yeah, it was a little cryptic. And also, Siri says that the destinies of the widow and of the the younger man that buried them, their destinies were tied to Siri's, was which was also a really interesting concept. So. We cut to the town of Claremont, and everyone is asleep. It's the middle of the night. And suddenly, screams break out, and a bright red light illuminates the night sky. And the town bell rings out an alarm. But it turns out the only building that's on fire is an old temple um, to a deity that not even the oldest grandmothers can remember who it was or what the name was. And um, we learn that this has since been converted into an arena for entertainment fights, bear baiting. And Hoovenagel, our old buddy, runs up Who screaming I had fire. About. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the sleazeball himself. And he orders people to get buckets, get water. Um, the town fire brigade comes out and tries to defeat the fire as it rages. Everyone's trying to put it out, but it's to no avail. Nothing is happening. 
and it's just getting worse. There's explosions, the walls are breaking down, and someone says, we can't keep up with it. It's some sort of black magic. Not sure where the black magic would come from. Mm, Interesting. Dawn rises and Hooveneagle, who is covered in suit, is sitting down in the mud and ash of what used to be the arena. And uh, even though it was insured, apparently he owned the insurance company. So I don't get it. Like, I don't get that. Okay, if you're running a con on running a fraudulent insurance company, why would you insure your own? Why would you use the insurance company that you know is fraudulent? Hoovenagel's not a smart man. That's true. That's true. And I think we kind of forget that. So Geralt asks Siri at camp, okay, where to now? And Siri um, is kind of annoyed at his tone. And she says, we're going to the town of Unicorn. They have a straw unicorn. And I feel they deserve something more meaningful. Yennefer, I need your help with the magic. And Yennefer says, yes, of course. And then Siri continues saying that we need to visit the Paraplet Swamps. Um, I hope I can find my way. We'll find a cottage with some remains. I want those remains buried with dignity. That is Visigoda. I thought that was very nice. And then we'll go to the town of Dundare. There is an innkeeper who I feel may have been murdered due to my actions and anger. I need to come to his family in humility and try to make amends. This is the Samain massacre where she killed all of Skellen's men that were camped out there. So Geralt responds, there's nothing you can do to make amends in that situation. And Siri says, I know that, but I have to try. Do you understand? Yennefer says, yes, we very much understand you, our daughter. The gang rides quickly past um, many groups of travelers who are all bewildered by the sight. They even ride past what I think is heavily implied to be um, Dijkstra, Falatierna, and... Boreas Mun. Boreas Mun. Yeah. Yep. Um, the group that we checked in with last chapter. With all these sightings comes the ghost stories. And it takes a lot of decades and centuries of telling, but eventually these become legends. Um, Anse describes it as, you know, a seed that is just starting to sprout. The legend of Ciri, of Geralt, and Yennefer. We cut to the night of Beltane, and um, Beltane, we've become pretty aware of it throughout our um, readings, because this is around the time when Yennefer and Ciri are born, so it's a time of significance. And it's also like, a like a spring celebration like a fertility celebration but also a really good excuse to just get drunk and have bonfires and so Siri sees these bonfires in the distance from where they're uh, making camp and as Siri rides away Yennefer and Geralt use this excuse to have a quickie um, and they you know haphazardly have sex and they're both struck by how much happiness um, it made them and Yennefer says to Geralt, while we are not together, were you with anyone else? And Geralt says... Danger! Danger! Abort! 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 And Geralt says, no. No, of course not. And Yennefer says, your voice didn't even waver. So I don't know why I don't believe you. And Geralt says, I only ever thought about you. And Yennefer says, now I believe you. He's a liar, but... I don't think there's any situation where he could have been honest. No, no, that's not an honest answer kind of question. So they are camping another night and Geralt awakens from a nightmare in which a large owl is trying to peck out his eyes. 
And then he awakes to a bright light above their camp um, with 10 shadowy figures within it. And here's the following conversation. Bring her to us, Yennefer. I order you. Yennefer responds, you cannot order me and you cannot order her. You have no power over her. Um, He hears another voice. I'll stand before them, Mama, if that helps. And Yennefer says they meet at the next new moon. Um, Yennefer begs, let us stay with him for a while. At least let her stay with him for a while, just a few more days so that he's not alone again. I will come as a prisoner of good faith. And then Geralt wakes up for real. So Yennefer in the morning confirms what Geralt pretty much already knows that she's leaving. Um, She says, I will be back. And when I return, I will make up for all the silence between us. And Geralt nods and hugs her. And uh, he says, you know, he loves her when all is said and done. So... What are Syria and Geralt going to get up to with Yennefer gone? Probably Geralt. eating, <laughs> probably eating fried chicken out of straight out of the bucket out of the fridge at one o'clock in the morning, hanging out in pajamas till noon. I don't know the usual stuff you do when uh, when mom's not around. This is very much like weekend at dad's energy. Yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> That's why I made that joke. So Geralt says he knows a fairy tale place and Siri is irritated at first and she's like, fairy tales don't exist. And Geralt says, well, wait till you see this place. Uh, We're going to a palace. And Siri says, going to a palace? Is there a king? Geralt corrects her and says, a duchess. Siri says, the duchess doesn't happen to have green eyes and dark black hair, does she? And Geralt's like, why would you ask that? No, of course not. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, We're going because I know the Duchess a little, not too well, if you must know. Um, But more, I know the Duchess's consort. So do you. And Siri says, oh, who is it? And Geralt says, it's Dandelion, if you have to know. And Siri is like, Dandelion and a Duchess? How? Geralt says, I guess you'll have to see. And Siri, like, as they're riding, you know, up the Sans Retour toward Toussaint, um, she's like, we're going to a palace in these clothes. And Geralt's like, what's wrong with these clothes? And he's like, you know, I actually have this little witcher's retirement account at a bank. I guess I could pick that up and we could uh, get you outfitted with the best clothes. And um, Siri's like, Geralt, how did you get all this money? He says that he got it from killing, but it's mostly bribery. Yeah, yeah. Extortion. So they ride off and... Uh, We cut to Geralt getting a check at the bank. I wonder how much that's for. So as they're stepping out, um, they see this big group of people. And Siri is like, what's this crowd for? Is it a fair? And Geralt says, this is no fair. It's probably an execution. That's the most popular form of entertainment since the war, after all. And as they get closer, they're enveloped in a sea of people. Siri points out that the executioner has a new hood and the scaffold has banners on it. So this is probably an execution for someone important. And this is the part where John Mark already guessed who this was. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't spoil it just yet. Go ahead. And someone shouts, they're coming. They're coming. And the crowd begins to part and sees someone step out from a coach, um, and it's Dandelion. Um, And Dandelion walks up the steps, and one of them almost gives out, and he shouts, You've got to fix that. Someone's going to kill themselves up here, and that won't be funny. Um, Meanwhile, Siri and Geralt are like, 
okay, fuck, what now? Like, Siri's like, we've got to do something. Girl's like, okay, what? Like, what do we do in this situation? Um, and the court coroner begins to read out from a long scroll and says, Viscount Julian Delettenhoe of Pancrats, alias Standlion, you are hereby charged with lots of crimes, including lese majeste, um, general harlotry. General harlotry. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of crimes, um, but mostly it's just embarrassing the queen. You know, treason, sabotage, mm. lying. He he may have committed some light treason. And uh, Siri is like. Julian? Who's Julian? Who the hell is Julian? In response to all these crimes, the coroner says that um, he's going to be stripped of all his titles and that black bars will be uh, drawn through the family crest, sangre bleu, um, and that all of his assets and um, castles will be seized. And girls like, castles? castles? <laughs> I'm, I've been gone for like, a while but not that long Geralt's been gone for like four months and uh, the coroner continues her duchy has shown grace in this matter and rather than having you dragged behind horses or broken on the wheel and tortured she commutes your sentence to beheading by axe and Dandelion says alright let's get on with it and the executioner walks out with a stump and puts a napkin over it um, an assistant runs back with a wicker basket. Apparently someone had made off with the wicker basket that was originally supposed to hold the severed head. True crime junkies are going <laughs> to true crime. There's also like a bunch of people like really close to the stage hoping to get a little blood spatter. Yeah, so that they can sell the clothes that have the blood spatter from the, the execution on them. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of lucky lose. And uh, the executioner says to Dandelion, forgive me, Lord. And uh, Dandelion's like, I will not forgive you. And the executioner is like, what? You have to. It's proper. It's and, tradition. You have to forgive me. And Dandelion is, um, you know, very insolently saying, I will do no such thing. You want to chop my head off. The executioner says, you have to forgive me and absolve my guilt. Ease my sin. Dandelion says, absolve your guilt? You're about to cut my head off. What? Like, that's no. not any sense. <laughs> Why would I do that? And the executioner just throws up at his hands. He's like, I won't execute him. And the coroner is like, you have got to be kidding. He's like, here, would a couple of gold coins ease your guilt any? And uh, executioner is like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that'll do it. 20 bucks sounds about right. That, that's enough for a conscience, right? And so Dandelion, you know, head on the uh, chopping block is like, wait, I forgive you. I totally forgive you. And the coroner is like, well, since he forgives you, can I have my coins back? And the executioner is like, uh, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, and the executioner says, stand back, coroner, where heads are chopped and ears liable to be lost as well. Which I like that phrase. Um, suddenly a horse rides in. The horse is foaming at the mouth. And a messenger gets up, gets off the horse and says, Stop the execution. Stop the execution. A pardon by ducal decree. And the messenger continues in saying, um, By order of the, Dutch, of the Duchess, Anna Henrietta, Viscount Julian, is stayed from beheading, but must henceforth leave Toussaint and never 
return. Dandelion jumps up um, and he's like, that's right. What about my assets? I want my loot back. I want my horse Pegasus. Um, I want like, you know, my money. And uh, Geralt is like, shut up and get down here. <laughs> um, and Dandelion is like, Geralt, what are you doing here? Geralt's like, come on, just jump on this horse. You're about to be executed. Just get out of here. Before your ladyship changes her mind on something she's already decided, let's get out of here. So the three start to ride off and Geralt says, did you know this pardon was coming? And Dandelion says, truth be told, I did not, but I knew my weasel wouldn't let me down. There was also a fun little bit where uh, Dandelion's trying to like gas up the crowd for the execution. And he's like, how's everybody doing? And there's <laughs> one guy that's like, eh, muddling along. Uh. And it was very Monty Python. Quit trying to vamp. <laughs> You're about to be executed. <laughs> um, just side note, I hope they have this scene word for word in oh the my God. series because Joey Beatty would kill this. We talked about the fact that I I can't. It, it's too high a bar. I can't I can't come up with a, a dandelion after that. This is one of those moments why. This like was he designed would, for him. Yes, he would slay in this. Like. <laughs> so we cut to Dandelion meeting with a messenger. Um, so they had caught up with the uh, the trio um, after they left, and, and they're kind of on the edge of town. And um, he hands him back the loot and gives him Pegasus, but he doesn't mention any of the money. Um, and Dandelion asks him to um, give a kiss to the Duchess, which he also ignores. Yeah, the um, messenger didn't like that. They ride off, and um, they they camp in the Nui Valley. So they're basically going in reverse from how they got to Toussaint. So the Nui Valley is very familiar to them. And so... Dandelion, who has stayed quiet for as long as possible, has to eventually ask what happened to the rest of the party. And this is a hard conversation. And Geralt has to tell him everything that happened. And um, I thought this was written really beautifully. Um, Anse writes, um, and then they're accompanied in silence and the dreadful pregnant silence that falls after the telling like the festering of a sore. Um, so they ride through the slopes, they go around Reed Brune, and they head towards Dal Angra, and Geralt realizes that Dandelion has left behind his tube of poetry and writing, and he's like, I just remembered that you don't have that. Like, that's a big deal. And Dandelion says, not really. Um, like, I know where it is, and I have the time to read over it, and I decided I wanted to begin anew. Um, and Geralt sort of like pokes fun at that and he's like you're as good a writer as you are as a favorite and Dandelion says that he hasn't given up on being Ducal Consort which is interesting Um, (laughs) he says that it was all a misunderstanding that Anna Henrietta freaked out after finding him with the Baron's daughter Nike and that she would realize in time that men aren't meant to be monogamous uh what and uh, Geralt's like you're stupid (laughs) and <laughs> Dandelion's like, you'll see. And later, Geralt chides Dandelion saying, like, it's 
your fault that we had to flee from Toussaint. I didn't even get to see and Dandelion cuts him off and he's like, Fringilla Vigo left after you. Um, you wouldn't have been able to see her anyway. What? That's, and so, like, no. that's so weird. Why would you bring that up? I wasn't going to ask about her. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she's just a random person that I have no interest in or relationship whatsoever. Siri's uh, why would you bring her up a little bit? And uh, girl's like, let's just move on. No, Moving actually, now. I was going to introduce Siri to Reynard Bois Fresna, my old friend. And Dandelion just says, oh. So Reynard actually died near the end of February on the Cervantes Pass in a skirmish. And uh, Dandelion's like, oh. Um, Dandelion's giving all of the dirty details. And Geralt's like, shut up. Yeah. And for once, Dandelion listens. Um, so every, every good person is everybody, everybody worthwhile is dead. Yeah. Um, so they pass over the Aruga. This is where they got into that big battle of the bridge. A new bridge has been built, um, next to the old one that's still charred. They find the Oak of the Crossroads. I believe this is where all the bodies were hung before. And in place of the bodies, there's a bunch of advertisements hung, um, a lot of lost posters, posters for people to come home, Hmm. advertisements, kind of like the bulletin board. And um, Siri comes back from looking at the messages, and uh, this is the moment that Geralt's been dreading. He knew that this moment was coming. She says she has to go meet Yennefer. It's time. She's seen the message she needs. She's going to Vengerberg. Um, but she knows that Geralt is headed for a secret rendezvous in Rivia and that she'll meet him there in six days. Um, Geralt is like, it's not a surprise. It's not a secret. It's a surprise, which is kind of the same thing, Geralt. Um, so they say goodbye and Geralt just feels awful about this. He feels like a shard of ice is being rammed into his chest. And as Siri is riding off, um, Dandelion's like, I don't see how she's going to make it to Vengerberg and back to Rivia in like six days. That seems impossible. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Geralt says nothing is impossible for Siri. Dandelion's like, I have a strange feeling. And Geralt's like, please, let's not talk about it anymore. It's now June and uh, Dandelion and Geralt en route to Rivia are riding through boneyards, villages, and settlements, and they're seeing just the worst of the post-war continent. Hmm. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, women digging holes in the earth with hoes. Um, Some of them are pulling plows. They all look really gaunt. Children are hunting for grubs and worms in the earth because I think that's probably the only food they're going to get. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dandelion says, like, doesn't, something seem missing here isn't something wrong here and girls like isn't everything wrong here y- yeah like food and uh later at camp Geralt and dandelion hear the sounds of people being murdered in the night the screams of women and the yelling of bandits and they can't do anything yeah yeah um and later as they're making their way they come across a line of Um, refugees and uh, they're wondering what's going on and uh, they learn from this young sub-lieutenant that's all of 18 years old that these are Nilfgaardians Mm, and mm. he uses a lot of inflammatory language he says that uh, 
These people are like cockroaches. So these are all Nilfgaardians that settled in the north and now they're being pushed back to the south. And the sub-lieutenant says if it were up to him, he wouldn't allow them to live. A non-commissioned officer retorts, if it were up to me, I would let them live and continue farming. And the sub-lieutenant says, you're thick. They aren't of our culture. They aren't of our language or our blood. Um, there won't be peace with Nilfgaard forever. We're just letting traitors you know, settle in and eventually they'll rise up against us. Um, they need to go back where they came from. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a little relevant and ugly. Yeah, it's it's kind of relevant to every society, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so Dandelion, you know, is looking very uncomfortable as this man is pulled out of line because he has a cart and he's beaten. And the sub-lieutenant says, you're not some sort of Nilfgaard lover, are you? And Dandelion says, oh, God forbid. Um. Um, they break away from the crowd. And a while later, a woman is screaming in pain. And Dandelion is like, please, Geralt, don't get involved. And Geralt is like, no, that ain't me anymore. I'm going to get involved. Wait, no. No, no I'm he's, not. He's anti-involvement. <laughs> he's anti-involvement. Yeah, sorry. That got a little confusing when we read it, too. He's moved on. Um, so that night, Geralt dreams of Yennefer and Ciri, and we cut to them at the conclave of Monte Calvo. Ciri is dressed in black and gray with a plunging neckline. Um Philippa, who Siri calls Madam Owl, commands her to come and be seated. Um, Siri kind of gives a smile to Triss and Margarita, who she has met before. And uh, Philippa says that Siri can take a seat, but Yennefer can't sit with us, okay? She can't sit with the cool kids, okay? She has to remain standing. Yep. And Siri says, okay, if Yennefer can't sit, then I'm not going to sit either. And if her fate is going to be thus, my fate is going to be the same. Margarita is like, come on, Philippa. We should all sit at the table as equals no matter what happens. And Philippa is like, okay, okay, as long as the other sorceresses agree. So they all nod and uh, everyone sits down, finally. Philippa makes a speech at the end of that. And she says that the lodge is everything and that everything else is nothing. And Siri makes a joke that that's fine by her, that she is that nothing. And Francesca laughs and says she recognized an outstanding hallmark in the school that Siri belongs to. And uh, Yennefer says that's because it's the school of To Say It of Rise. Philippa is like, To Say is dead, which seems really unnecessary. <laughs> um, and further, that a new era has arrived, one that Siri will have a very important place in. Siri says that if her part is similar to what Vilgefortz had in mind, she's not interested. Shayla to Tankerville, which kind of wins the award for asshole of this chapter, snaps at Siri and says that she is a kitten who is lashing out and that they're going to pick her up by the scruff. Oh my God, get over yourself. And she says that Siri was correct that she was summoned here to learn of her fate, but that she's incorrect that she's nothing. She is everything when it comes to the future of the Lodge. She says that Siri sees everyone as Emir or Vilgefortz, and that's not the case. The Lodge is only concerned with Siri's good and the good of the world, okay? Mm, I bet they are. Mm -hmm. um, so Shayla's like, I'm done. Tell um, Siri of her fate, Philippa. So Philippa and the Lodge's extremely different plan that proves that they are really in it for Siri's well-being and the well-being of the world. 
And it's so different than all the other plans that have been proposed before. Yep. It definitely is not just her getting pregnant as soon as possible. Okay. Completely Maybe different. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Okay. Nope. Nope. This one's completely different because it's not in a test tube. Okay. So here's how it's very different. Um, Siri is going to go to Kovir with Philippa and Shayla to meet Estrad Thyssen and Queen Zalika and also meet their son, Prince Tancred. She won't be able to be a queen, of course, because she is no longer Cirilla of Sintra, but she is going to seduce the prince and become a favorite consort or concubine. Hmm. Some kind of word. Yay, so much fun. Um, Eventually, they're trying to secure her a place as a princess or a queen. But in the meantime, they will help her fuel his desire. Ooh. Um, <laughs> the goal is just to get pregnant ASAP. Siri retorts like, yeah, of course. Um, that, that's always the goal, isn't it? And uh, Philippa is like, just listen. We're going to secure a future for your child. And as hard as it is for you to believe, you are one of us. And Siri is like, on the Isle of the Ned, you called me a monster. And now I'm one of you. Yeah, that's a pick one. And Francesca says there's no contradiction in that. They're all monsters here, which is fair enough. Yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> So Shayla says that um, they will get her all dolled up. They will disguise Siri's scar, that she will be beautiful and mysterious and that he will lose his head for her, okay? She will need a new identity. Um, They're not going to change her first name, which seems kind of silly because if there's like news that there's an identical like Cirilla up north, doesn't it seem like that might give it away a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's a little too on the nose. Anyway, so they're going to keep her first name as is, but she needs a new surname. Um, So everyone kind of puts their name out there like... Maybe she can be Cirilla de Tankerville. Like, why would she do that after the way she last treated her, though? Um, or she could be, um, better yet, Cirilla Eilharts. And Francesca says um, that anyone would be lucky to have Siri as a daughter, which is why they're all jealous of Yennefer, which is kind of the nicest thing that anyone it, has said to Yeah, today. like, that. that's, that's a, an okay thing to be jealous about, like... Siri's treating her like her actual mom like oh no but everybody's jealous of it they should be Siri says she appreciates the offer but that she needs to make at least this choice she doesn't have any choice or agency in this but she can do at least this one thing she will go by Siri of Vengerberg after her mom and Sabrina praises Siri and says that Prince Tancred will be an ass if he doesn't wed her morganatically which I don't know what that means. Yeah, I didn't. That was a new one. That phrase was new on me, too. I think it's just maybe like common law marriage. I don't know what that is. So Sabrina goes on to say that she envies Yennefer, as everyone does. And uh, Philippa says, okay, well, everything is settled. And Siri's like, whoa, whoa, hang on, whoa. Not so fast. I need to think it over, and I need to go see Geralt of Rivia. I made that promise, and I'm going to do it no matter what with your permission or not. And she says she needs to tell Geralt about her decision. And uh, she says this one thing. um, When we were riding away from Stiga Castle, leaving corpses in our wake, I asked Geralt if it was the end, if we were victorious, if evil had overcome, and if good had triumphed. 
and he just smiled somehow strangely and sadly. Yeah. I thought it was from tiredness because we had just buried all of his friends at the foot of the stiga, but now I know what that smile meant. It was a smile of pity at the naivety of a child who thought that the slit throats of Vilgefortz and Bonner meant the trump of good over evil. Mm-hmm. So she wants to go explain how this is different and how she's changed and she understands now. Um, she knows that Geralt is an old wolf and hard to convince, um, but she's got to try. And Shayla says she's still a child and stubborn, which I thought was confusing because I thought that was a very well thought out argument. Yeah. And I don't yeah. really understand Shayla at all. Also, isn't that like <laughs> what a lot of them are known for? Anyway, so Shayla says, I am voting no, and I urge all of you to do the same. Philippa is like, okay, so let's have a vote. Who's going to vote to allow the insolent child, Siri, to ride to um, Geralt and indulge her sentimentality that soon we'll have to get rid of? And uh, Sabrina votes against because Siri has threatened the lodge and she has to know they don't heed threats. Mm. Kira is against because she thinks she's trying to outwit them, even though she is tempted to repay the favor of Geralt. Of course, she has to get that in there. Um, Geralt who carried her during the Isle of the Ned thing. Triss says that she votes for Ciri. It's really the least she can do uh, because she can vouch for her. She also wants to accompany her, okay, and help in her deliberations, all right, um, and in her conversation with Geralt if she agrees. Ooh, that's okay. okay. Um, we'll see how that goes. Margarita is in favor because of Tessia, who would not agree with any kind of compulsion. Francesca says she's voting yes because none of your business. Why? Okay. Um, and Ida says she's voting yes because she is following her heart. A seer of our Anna head says no because she doesn't believe that she doesn't believe that Siri will be safe on the road. Frangilla Vigo votes yes for Geralt who went to the ends of the world to save her. Sabrina is kind of upset at Frangilla and is kind of poking at her. And she says that they're tied so the vote is meaningless. And Yennefer makes her move. She shoots her shot here and says, the last time I checked, my membership card wasn't revoked and I vote yes. Yeah, even though you kicked me out of the lodge, I, my, nobody confiscated my membership card. And Francesca is like, nah, you have no rights here. Yes, I voted with Siri, but uh, we're going to sentence you for your crimes and uh, you're a war criminal here. And Philippa pauses and says, yeah, okay, we can all agree that Yennefer doesn't have a vote, but I do. Bum, bum, bum. And Philippa says that she believes. We see this flashback that's very uh, murky at first. A young girl is running her hands among the stems of water lilies as fish swim by her. Her fingers close on nothingness. And then she hears her favorite voice calling Philippa. And Shayla brings her out of her daydream. And Philippa thinks as a breeze rolls by her, death passed beside me. Hmm. And she finally speaks and says... The Lodge will decide the fate of the world. The Lodge is like the world. It is its mirror. Good sense, which doesn't always mean cold wickedness and calculation, is balancing out sentimentality, which is not always naive. And so with that, I'm going to vote in favor. Meaning, Siri turns to Yennefer, um, and Yennefer says, yes, let's go. Geralt's waiting for us, and there's a long road ahead. And with that... Geralt wakes up from his dream. And scene. What do you think of this chapter? 
Um, it's fun. It, it really is. Um, it flows really, really well too. Like a lot of his uh, chapters in the past tend to be a little bit more chunky and kind of tone shift a lot. Um, but this this flowed really, really smoothly. I kind of liked series Vengeance Tour. That was kind of fun. Um, I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more of that, but we didn't really need to. It was just fun. But yeah, I, I did really enjoy this chapter. It also didn't feel so. This is actually one of the longer chapters. Uh, this is what fifty pages. I think it might have been forty or so. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is one of the longer chapters, but it really didn't feel like it. So. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I did. How did you feel about it? Especially, especially since it is now formally time to announce that we are now officially past the point that Alexa has uh, read up until. Yeah, it's a brave new world. It is I'm entirely. On the other side yep, of it. she is on the. She is now with us, folks. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Yep. Um, yeah, we passed that point right when Siri and Geralt separate. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't recognize any of this. <laughs> and I thought I got to the end of the chapter, but I guess not. Um, so I have no clue what's going to happen. And I'm excited because that means I'm just as in the dark as we're going into this final chapter. Well, all of us filthy peasants are very happy to have you with us. Thank you. I, I feel really good to be among the unspoiled. Good, 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 good. Um, yeah, uh, I, I did really like the dynamics of the lodge. Um, also I really like, and and I think I kind of said this while we were reading it, that like, I like how every single like party that wants to get their hands on Siri is like, yeah, we we're doing it for the good of the world. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Insert ad lib, you know, mad lib thing about how this is really for good. Uh, here and then also we're going to need to take away complete bodily autonomy from you uh, and we're going to need you to immediately get pregnant whether you want to or not it's really funny how all these plans are just eerily similar it's like yeah it's like all right siri you go get pregnant they're like we're not filgafords we're not trying to inseminate you like with a test tube or something we just want you to do it with a pre-screened like guy that you have no choice in whatsoever also you have no titles either also, um, you're just kind of hoping that he takes a liking to you. We have no yeah, like you're you're going shirts. in as a as a part of the harem, and you're just hoping you can catch his attention long enough. Um, so a morganatic marriage, actually, I just looked this up. Oh, did you now? Is a valid marriage between a male member of a sovereign princely or noble house and a woman of lesser birth. Oh, okay, interesting, huh? So they were like, maybe we can secure like a title for you, but otherwise you're just going to birth this kid and, and we'll yep. take possession of it. So that's really how all these plans end. Yep. We want um, we want your baby. It's interesting because I don't think anyone really understands just the sheer power of Siri. Maybe except for like Jennifer and Geralt. Well, and I think that's why Siri is Siri's talking a lot of shit in this in this uh She's in this confident bit. and, and like, good for her. Like I realized like that they are completely disrespecting her and like that's the thing that like she does they don't get is that like this this girl has basically lived through time and space and seen things that would make their heads melt um mm-hmm. and they are just not they're just oh you're just a young little kid who has like who's just like all arrogant and think that they're all good like no she has killed assassins she has like like traveled through the to the end of actual time um she has like fought off the elves and escaped from them like 
the most capable and competent magical beings in existence mm-hmm. and she was able to outwit them and get away from them and they're just like oh you're just an insolent, insolent little kid well we're gonna grab you like a kitten and grab you by the scruff of the neck this is like my biggest pet peeve is when people act like age equals wisdom yes um, and yep. that you know you can't have valid experiences mm-hmm. and valid perspective as a young person. Yeah. Um, and I guess that even is enhanced in this version of events because these sorceresses are many centuries old. Yeah. So yep. they think they understand everything. And Shayla's probably the oldest one among them. Yeah. Right now. Like, I, I've I've lived for 100, 200 years. Like, I, you know, if I haven't seen it, it doesn't exist. No, that, that that's not necessarily true. Yeah, and and I think that Siri has absolutely earned the right Mm -hmm. to talk back and, like, to stand up for herself because, you know what, she's not going back to being, like, an afraid little girl. Yeah, yeah. She's seen too much to do that. Yeah, and they don't, like, they haven't seen what her actual abilities are. Like, I don't think they realize that she can basically just phase through time. Like they don't even care to find out. No. Like, they don't even care to find out, like, what she thinks or, you know, what her idea of her future is. They're they're basically, like, the the lawnmower parent that, like, is like, okay, you're going to go to this boarding school and then you're going to, like, you're going to study math and then you're going to go to engineering school and then you're going to make a whole bunch of money and you're going to help me with retirement yeah it's like it sounds great on paper for for you like like your plan yeah benefits you like i want something that benefits me um so it's like it's very frustrating shayla just comes out and like completely ruins like her entire character for me in this scene yeah absolutely i i don't like her i actually like philippa more than her in this yeah, chapter which is which is hard to do yeah um i thought we saw like a lot of humanity from philippa at the end of this chapter which is interesting because i think we've been pretty hard on philippa to this point um, yeah because i mean for good reason she's made a lot of questionable decisions yes um so like i don't want to see siri like murder anyone in the lodge but like i would love to see her just like snap her fingers and pull the chairs out from under everybody or something really quick (laughs) just so that they can be like oh hey this is what she can do like oh we should probably respect her a little more but they wouldn't just to stay on the lodge for one other quick second i think it's really weird that they're so angry at yennefer when they again pulled yennefer in against her will she was like frozen as a like doll for a month and then they bring her out of that and then they're like okay now you work for us they did the same thing to her that they're trying to do to siri that just like yep you work for us now whether you want want to or not oh but we're totally like the good guys here and we're all about like preserving of the world of magic like okay who made you guys lords of the world yeah like, i don't remember that conversation i, I believe that we were all, like part of the discussion here when we started this thing was like the free agency of the parties like we wanted to work together and work diplomatically for the greater good and not just railroad each other and say like no this is what's happening and you need to do it well that's what they're going with um I really enjoy this chapter and it makes me really excited to read chapter 12, which we have a lot to get into. But we do. We have a lot to get into. First, 
Should we get a nightcap? I think we probably should. So tonight for the nightcap, uh, we are drinking uh, 19 Crimes the Banished. Okay. Um, this is a relatively common wine. I, I don't want like I don't mean to make it sound like a Pokemon card, but like <laughs> um, I have seen this at most grocery stores. Uh, it is relatively easy to find. Um, Nineteen Crimes is a is a relatively well known brand um, or winery. Yeah, I've. I mean, they're one of the most present wineries in in most stores. I would say. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, we have personally had nineteen or nineteen crimes before, um, but not this particular one. Um, I think we've had a couple of the other ones, um, but this is a this is a dark red uh, from twenty twenty, um, and we thought it was kind of fitting in that Siri was going through the the chapter uh, writing the litany of her crimes as well. Um, as, as dandelion getting dandelion banished and getting, exiled from Tucson. Yes, uh, so it was kind of a double whammy in terms of what it worked for. So um, we kind of thought this would work pretty well. Uh, it is an Australian wine. It is imported and bottled by TWE Imports, Sonoma, California. Produced by Nineteen Crimes, Nuratopsa Saha, Australia. Wine of Australia. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that gave me yeah, that, that gave really me help. no sense of where that is or. Um, it is anything. a red blend. Uh, let's see, nineteen crimes turned criminals into colonists. Upon conviction, these rogues guilty of at least one of the nineteen crimes were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. The banished is a tribute to James McNally Wilson, eighteen thirty two to nineteen twenty one. In eighteen sixty six, Wilson was court martialed for desertion and mutinous conduct and placed aboard the last convict ship to sail to australia in 1876 wilson survived a dangerous escape from the prison in Fremantle and fled to new york spending his remaining years in the u.s to learn more about this and similar stories please visit the us at 19crimes.com interesting i like how the old-timey solution to criminals that you didn't want to reform or have like crowding your jails was just to ship them, Send them somewhere, somewhere else, else. <laughs> what if we took all of our criminals and put them over there it's like yeah let's just send them to australia mm-hmm. yeah let's mm-hmm. just send them to georgia in the united states like yep okay <laughs> yeah how that's does... that's not gonna have any lasting repercussions it's like out of sight out of mind yeah yes. yeah yep. like we're just not going to think about those people ever mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably turn out fine. Yeah, that'll probably turn out perfectly fine. Also, uh, we have some impish cats. Yes. These are, yeah, that's basically what it was What was happening here. We have yeah. impish cats that they're letting out. Hopefully all nonviolent offenders. So I have no idea. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of what they're saying was that there were 19 specific crimes that would one would get sent to Australia for, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting to look up those nineteen crimes. Now I'm now I'm curious. I never really let, read into where they got the name from. So, wow. Okay. It was a cartoonishly uh, satisfying pop. Give it a little pour here. It is right off the bat. It is. It is dark red um it is inky and oily um which is usually how i like my wine yeah i was gonna say which is usually a very good sign for like a red blend um 
Let's give it a sniff. Wow, it is overpoweringly uh, dark, dark fruit. It's like yeah. it's like nothing but like pomegranate and cherry. Like I'm getting a little plum. There's definitely some like leather and oaking mm, in there. Mm. I like it. Although it is possible that the cold weather uh, the past couple of days has like destroyed my sense of smell because so it's so dry. So much cherry though, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, okay. No, I mean like there's a lot of fruit in it, but like on the second sniff I'm getting like exclusively cherry, mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have to kind of like s- s- stand back from it a little bit to get the other notes. There's definitely it's like just some not drowned out by the cherry, <laughs> which is probably from the cherry as well. Yeah, yeah. So now the real question is, can we figure out what the blend is? Yeah, that'll be a little harder. Mm-hmm. I'm anticipating some Pinot. Uh, probably some Shiraz. Um, actually, since it's an Australian wine, probably no cobs. Yeah. But I mean, that's usually not an Australian varietal, right? No. Um, and I don't think it's for lack of growing conditions because I know I know it's kind of most of a lot of Australia does work pretty well for for cabs they like that kind of hot dryness um but I I don't actually know why why they don't really include them too much it might just be supply issues that there's not just much of it I could also be completely wrong in that I don't know a ton about Australian wine actually Hmm. I know very little so (laughs) I guess we'll have to see do you shall we give it a taste yeah let's do it are you sure Mm mm-hmm okay I don't know cheers cheers it's like not exactly what I expected at the front. Oh yeah. It's like it's wow. got a lot of like celery, like Okay. It's like pretty bitter up front, but not mm. in a bad way. Um it's like a light cranberry juice. Um it's very mellow, honestly. I expected it to be a lot bolder and a lot meatier. Um, and a lot punchier, mm-hmm. um, but it is, well, yeah, I mean, this is a mass appeal kind of wine, so it kind of makes sense that it would have a little bit of that. So it's tart for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is definitely tart. Let, let's not, you know, say that it's not. <laughs> yeah. I think it might even open up a little bit more as it oxidates. Mm, I suspect that this will decant pretty well. Um, it will probably get. Yeah, there's definitely no cabs in there. Um, And it's not sweet enough to have Shiraz or Zinfandel. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. Yeah, you're correct in that. Yeah, huh. Yeah, so I would say like Pinot, Merlot, and then like maybe, maybe some Australian varietal that I'm not really super familiar with. Yeah. Would be my, would be my guess. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah, I would definitely have to look it up. That's not one that I think I could piece together out of just out of taste. But so we've got a lot to talk about. Do you want to introduce the section first? No. Okay. No, I mean our our listeners know at this point what it is. We'll just do it for old times' sake then. But I'm I'm always interested in going forward. You can't. You can't move forward if you're always looking back. So I think, you know, just new traditions. Um, 
I say we we talk about greyhound racing for the next 45 minutes. What do you think? Okay. Well, welcome to last call. <laughs> alibis. Last call saved rounds alibis. This is the section where we analyze what mm-hmm. we've read, talk about our favorite parts, and make predictions, usually bad ones. Well, okay. And today I actually <laughs> can participate in this because I don't know what's You going don't to actually happen. know what's going to happen. Um, also, can we really make predictions for the one chapter that's left in the book series? We can try. Okay. Um, so a top of the hour or top of the morning, top of the, what? top of the morning, top of the hour. <laughs> I think I'm having an aneurysm. <laughs> um, does it taste like purple in here? It sounds like you jumped out of a lucky charm box. I, I kind of did. Um, what are, what are, what are your predictions for the next chapter? I I think that we should wait until the end of the analysis to get into that. No, I mean we we led we led with that bit. Come on. What's your <laughs> predictions? Unless okay. All right, fine, fine. We'll talk about I suppose we could talk about the things that lead up to what what you want to predict. Yes, exactly. <sighs> Miss order of operations. I always like to go in chronological order. I know, but you always want to get to the, the most exciting part. I do. Is that so wrong? You have to have everything to have a full picture, you know? You probably eat your Brussels sprouts before you eat your steak, don't you? I try. No, because then there's not as much room for the steak. Okay, fair enough. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with our spectral gang, Yennefer, mm-hmm. Siri, and Geralt. Um, I really love this redemption tour for Siri. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it really made me think about the video game, The Witcher mm, 3, mm. when she's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, yep. And you can see that there were a lot of inspirations drawn mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. this part of the book. Like, I won't give any spoilers, but it's kind of the same sort of journey. Like, mm-hmm. making amends, going to say goodbye. Basically, um, like, The Witcher 3 is kind of like they took this whole chapter and just stretched it out into a video game. Yeah. But they also filled it out really well. Yeah, and I like that Geralt and Yennefer got this time with her together and this Mm -hmm. chance to guide her and sort of be her backup. But it is really interesting in that Ciri almost doesn't need them anymore. Like, she wants them Mm -hmm. in her Mm -hmm. life, but I think that I was thinking a lot about parenthood. Yeah, yeah. This chapter. Well, because that's pretty much a very heavy theme. And I think you kind of just hit the nail right on the head with, like, one of the ultimate goals of parenthood um, is that you want to get to the point where your kids don't need you anymore, but they still want you to be with them. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering how much of that was inspired by Anse's own journey with that, because mm-hmm. it felt like someone who was writing, um, having gone through something similar, like mm-hmm. we're, mm-hmm. we're hearing a lot about Geralt's dread. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But before Siri leaves to meet Yennefer, we're hearing a lot about like how nervous he is, how it's painful that she's mm-hmm. going to have to leave him. And I yeah, think it's like yeah. this common experience of knowing that you have to let your children go at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. But it also means that like they're moving on without you. They're going to have to make decisions without you. You can't be there to protect them all the time. Yeah. Yep. And also you like spending time with them. And like I think all of that is rolled into this chapter really nicely. Mm hmm. 
but there's a lot of happiness too. Like I, I was glad that it wasn't just sadness. It was a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, joy. Like yeah, yeah. Siri and Geralt going to Toussaint. Mm-hmm. Like that was really fun. Like they, we, we saw the characters kind of able to experience a little like unfettered fun, which mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of needed. Yeah. <laughs> after so much like drama, mm-hmm. this book. Um, so let's start with Yennefer, Siri, and Geralt's dynamic. What did you think about this at the beginning of the chapter? Um, as far as Yennefer, as far as their dynamic, um, I, I, I think that that was kind of the best way to describe it. Um, was just that uh, they that Siri was kind of doing this thing. And Geralt and Yen are kind of just along for the ride. They don't; she doesn't need them there, but they kind of just want to be there to support her and kind of like help her process and cope and like digest things. And what did you think about Siri's choices to like kind of retrace her step and revisit some of these places mm. where she had her most traumatic moments? Like we see her go to jealousy where mm. her friends died. You know we. We never made it a secret that we didn't like the rats, but yeah, I think that was <laughs> that for was, Siri. This was a yeah. very traumatic moment yeah. to see all of her friends butchered in front of her brutally. Mm. Yeah, um, and she finally was able to say a proper goodbye, see mm. a little humanity. What did you think of that moment? Um, in that moment, I, I, I really loved that um, because it was. It, it's very rare that like. Very often in in writing, we as the reader will get closure, but the characters themselves don't necessarily always get closure. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just kind of the way our brains are kind of wired as readers. Um, But this was really interesting to see um, a character like kind of come to the end of a story arc that they were not necessarily a part of. Um, Because we experience that sometimes. Like we get dropped in the end of a story arc. Um, for when a writer ra- wraps something up, but this was this was the main characters literally walking through it. Yeah, and she also makes the decision to burn down the um, arena, the arena where she was forced to fight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which was satisfying because mm-hmm. you know she could have done a lot of things. I feel like the old series might have just gone to murder Hoovenagel. Yeah, yes. Yep. But she's more impactful and more strategic now. We see a lot of growth in her. Like, she's not just going for the jugular anymore. Mm-hmm, she's like, mm-hmm. I know it will do more good if I take out the arena yes. than take out yes. Hoovenagel. Yeah, because she's looking a lot more at, like, big picture as well. Um, that, like, okay, if I kill Hoovenagel, someone else is probably just going to step in and take over and it doesn't fix the problem of the fact that people are being forced to fight in an arena for entertainment. Um, So, but if I burn down the arena, not only does that actually physically remove the issue, it sends a message (laughs) as to what, what the world feels about this activity. Yeah. And, and I think that she's sort of like, putting to rest her old self here like a lot of the things that she experienced led her to being a certain way and 
now she's different and now she's like sort of revisiting not only people she's lost but like parts of herself that she no longer carries around Mm -hmm. so this is this is the shaving your head after a breakup yeah this is yeah she is she's shaving her head yeah, and I, I like that it was so sentimental. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's definitely, like, the fieriness of Siri. Like, we know that a lot of this is about, you know, revenge and, and taking some satisfaction. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, we want to see that. that. We're here for that. But also, like, she definitely is way more thoughtful with it mm-hmm. than she would have been, like, a year ago. Yeah, I, I think a year ago, I think you're 100% correct. She would have just tried to walk into the town and just murder everyone. Yeah, and she's not like that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do think that a lot of that is due to the lessons of Geralt and Yennefer, and especially mm-hmm. now that they're back in her life. You know, even though she doesn't need them, I think they're providing that extra grounding. I think she's already learned that lesson, but having them here, I think that it reminds her of you know who she was as a child, mm-hmm. the lessons they taught her, and all of that is coming back to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and Siri has finally had time to process that and shift her perspective based on being an adult now. And I think that's that's an important thing to do. Yeah, and I did want to get your take on what do you think they did in the town of Unicorn? Because we didn't oh, get to my see God. that happen. I want to know. <laughs> like, I really did want to know that one. Um, I was thinking, like, and, and you and I were talking about it a little bit. I kind of just have this mental image of, like, them coming in with like an actual like unicorn statue that's made out of gold and like is bedazzled with like (laughs) rhinestones and the most precious of sequins um but like i kind of want to like i have this idea of like yen putting like these magical like bolts onto the onto the ground that like can never be broken kind of thing like just magically like shackling it to the ground kind of thing like so it can't be stolen why do you think she wants to do that because i think i think siri feels that the the townspeople deserve a proper mascot um and i can't remember exactly what happened in unicorn unicorn was where she was tied up like bonnard met up with the Mm, people mm. that wanted to also abduct her yeah okay yep and eventually she escapes that Mm. was also where kenneth selborne tried to infiltrate her mind and got pushed out yes like so far that it made like siri get her powers back yeah yeah okay and then siri like scaled a like seven feet tall gate with kelpie kelpie scaled it Siri, yeah. Siri just sat on it. Okay, Kelpie. fine. Because Kelpie is the goat. Literally, she, she's a horse, John Mark. Not no, a goat. she is the goat. I don't know what you mean. She's not a greatest goat. of all time. She is the goat. G O A T, greatest horse of all time. Goat. So also, she says goodbye to Vicegoda. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things we don't get to see, but yeah. we, we get to imagine them. I, I was disappointed that she didn't we didn't get to see her go to the cottage. Yeah. Um But then I realized that um we had already seen her have like her goodbye with Visigoda. Yeah, and she already um, knows he's dead, you know. It it would yeah, have been yep. way more heartbreaking if she went there thinking he was alive. Oh boy, Visigoda, we're gonna skin muskrats together. Oh no. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> yeah, very it would, sad. It, it would have been quite of a quite a downer. 
I think the biggest indication of Siri's growth is that she wants to go back to Dundare, where she mm, committed mm-hmm. that massacre. Which yeah, you know, yeah. let's let's just be honest, we don't really care that much about Skellen's men. But mm. she realizes that you know her actions could have had repercussions for the tavern owner. She wants to pay the tavern owner back. Geralt says that's impossible, and she's like, "I know, but I have to try." Yeah. Yep. We see a lot of that goodness in Siri this yeah, chapter. Yeah, and it, it's it finally comes back. You know, um, Siri has kind of been kicked to kicked in the teeth for so long that like um, it's kind of amazing that she can that she still has faith in humanity at all anymore. Um, let alone that she can you know believe that anybody can be good, and she herself could be good. Um, so to see her try to make amends is is kind of fantastic and like you hope that you know this is this is kind of a continuing course for her let's do a brief detour in Geralt and Yennefer land okay okay because there's really like just some very small moments in this chapter um you know they're able to kind of reconnect a little bit but you get the sense that they're both really sad and tired and mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're kind of tired of, of everything at this point. Like, yeah, life yep. has just sort of ground them down. And, um, I thought it was kind of cute that we saw that moment where Yennefer was asking Carol, like, did you sleep with anyone yeah. else? Cause it, <laughs> no, it, it was an old Yennefer. Yeah. Moment. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. It was just kind of an old, like, old hearkening back to like new yen usually knows better than to ask questions that she doesn't want to know the answer to or she already knows the answer to but old yen likes to play poke the bear yeah and And it was it was kind of a poke the bear moment sorry go ahead yeah and like i don't think there was any right answer you just want nope you want the person to say what you want to hear yep yep you you feign deafness at that point what i i can't hear you huh what no idea. And I think that, you know, Geralt was very honest, though, when he said, I only ever thought of you. Because sure. <laughs> although he was very captivated with Frangilla, his it's mind true. always drifted mm-hmm. back to Yennefer. I wonder what Yennefer is wearing today. It was always like he called out her name during sex, which was not yeah. at all <laughs> flattering for Frangilla. No, poor Frangilla, kind of. Yeah, so I think that he was being honest there. Mm-hmm. And also at the end, before Yennefer leaves, um, she tells him, like, I'll make up for everything when we see each other again and for all the silence between us. Mm-hmm. What do you think she meant by that? Um, so um, we know that she, like, kind of went, for lack of a better term, like radio silent on him. Um when she disappeared and a lot of that was intentional to not put Geralt in harm's way but a lot of it was also kind of accidental in that she got caught up and wasn't able to contact him kind of thing so you're thinking this is all like in the past yeah she what she was referring to the uh, the past uh there being a lot of silence like when Geralt thought that she was guilty of treachery and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, at that point, she really couldn't since she was a jade figurine and all. Mm. Uh, she may also currently be referring to the fact that, like, if she's referring to what's going on at, at present, 
it doesn't seem like they've had a lot of dialogue between each other. And it's possible that they're kind of still just feeling out the relationship and kind of getting their footing back on it again. And also focusing on, on Siri and Siri's story right now. And maybe it's hard to talk about everything that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they're probably still processing as well. I mean, how do you talk about, like, you've had so much happen mm-hmm. in the time you've been separated. Yeah, yes. They're borderline different people at this point. Like, Yennefer... <laughs> I mean, Yennefer has gone through, like, 10 years of character development Mm -hmm. in, like, one year. Yep. Like, she's been turned into a jade figurine. Mm -hmm. She's been brought as a prisoner to the Conclave. She teleported using an oyster. And then she (laughs) plotted in Skellige to find Vilgefortz. When she found Vilgefortz, she was his prisoner. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, he just found her after, you know, months of just being held in, like, some dingy cell and having her, like, fingers sawed off, basically. Yeah, yeah. And Geralt's kind of similar. I mean, he's had more fun, for sure, but he also just saw all of his friends die. So Mm -hmm. there is a lot of silence between them, I imagine. There's a lot of unpacking by all parties to be done. I just don't think there's any simple way to explain that. Yeah. And I I know Yen didn't necessarily meet the party too much, but I'm sure she also, like, read into Geralt's mind and knew how much they, they meant to him. Um, so, I mean, like, that, there's definitely a lot of unpacking in that regard as well. Like, that she probably doesn't know how to get Geralt to open up. So, like, it's easier to just kind of be there in silence, you know? I also wonder if she's, like, not reading his mind right now because, like... I, I Yes, and, and you had pointed that out, and I, I think you're correct because... Certain she, things you don't want to know. Like, yeah, yep. And they aren't good to know, and she might have so much going on personally. She doesn't want to figure out what Geralt is thinking. Yeah, yeah. she's She's got quite a bit on her plate to begin with. Like, let's not necessarily add more to it, but you also kind of want to know. Well, let's talk about the Lodge. So the Lodge mm-hmm. is our, our major conflict this chapter because the Lodge has big plans for Siri. Yep. And Siri's uterus, <laughs> as everybody does. Um, Geralt overhears this conversation kind of in a dream, kind of like, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be a dream or in like a half awake state. Can I, can, can I uh, speculate and tinfoil hat a little bit? Sure. I think that yen was intentionally like broadcasting this into his brain a little bit hmm why because i feel like she feels that Geralt should be privy to this information hmm Mm -hmm. well we also saw him like seeing this owl repeatedly Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder like what exactly is going on with that because like philip can't be in two places at once necessarily but I'm sure that, I mean, that could be something that you see in a dream to symbolize something. Mm, mm-hmm. And he knows the significance of Philippa. I think he's definitely afraid of Philippa. Um, maybe not necessarily for himself, but I think he's afraid of the influence that Philippa has over Yen and Siri mm-hmm. um, and the people that he cares about. Yeah. So I think he's afraid of Philippa trying to destroy and take away the things that he loves and cares about. Yeah. I mean, that that's a good analysis. 
So we learned that the Lodge wants to see Siri right away and also Yennefer, but that Yennefer is stalling and she's trying to buy some time so that Geralt won't be alone. Mm. She wants Geralt and Siri to be able to spend some time together. So she kind of offers herself up like, hey, it's another sacrifice from mm-hmm, Yennefer. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I am willing to go there as a symbol of good faith. Yep. But let Siri stay with Geralt. Why do you think this was important for her? Well, I think I think she kind of spelled it out a little bit in that it was a symbol of good faith. Well, um, not offering herself up. Why was it important for her to get Geralt more time with Siri? Oh, well, because obviously because that that's kind of the father-daughter bonding time. And like she also knows that one way or another, Geralt is probably going to be alone again very soon. And she probably wants to prolong that as much as possible. Yeah, I think she also knows that Ciri's fate is going to bring her away from Geralt in some way. And like yeah. whatever time she can buy is a good thing. Yeah, because even if Ciri kind of chooses a, you know, a whatever, you know, in her own adventure rather than, you know, adventure with the elves, adventure with the lodge or adventure with Vogelforts, um, all of which involve having a baby involuntarily. um, you know, her, if she were, even if she were to choose option D, none of the above, she would still have to basically be fleeing all the time um, because the elves still exist. The lodge still exists. Mm-hmm. Like um, those parties still exist and they're still going to be pursuing her. Um, so she's probably pretty much going to have to go into hiding and Geralt isn't necessarily always good at hiding. Yeah, I guess that's not one of his strengths. But anyway, um, so Yennefer leaves. It's a sad moment for everyone. Um, But she says, you know, Siri, I'll call for you. We'll meet again. Um, Geralt, I'll make it up to you when we see each other again. And Geralt and Siri go to where else? To Sant, which is a fun little romp. Siri is a little burnt out on fairy tales, but when she sees Tucson, it's like a magical kingdom that she can't even well, imagine. The place, <laughs> the place is like a real fairy tale come to life. Like it basically, it basically is like Disneyland France, but not Euro Disney. Um, Disneyland France, but like a real place. And it is fun to see her joy in that moment. Like, you know, it, oh, yeah. it's a return of some childishness and, mm-hmm. and being able to just, you know, enjoy something. Yeah. Like, yeah. remember when we used to just enjoy things? Remember when we used to just enjoy things? <laughs> <laughs> Such naive, heady times. But instead of getting her, you know, full audience in front of Duchess Anna Henrietta, they run into an execution. And of course, that execution is for Dandelion. And well, I, who the hell else would it be? And I think, you know, this was my, like, one of the highlights of the chapter just because it brings that levity, even mm, though it's an mm. execution. Like, it's so funny. Only Dandelion could bring levity to an execution, in all honesty. There's just, like, a lot of dry humor. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I said it reminded me a lot of Monty Python. Like, It's, it's straight out of Monty Python, like, honestly. And it's, it's just like from the wicker basket that's supposed to hold the head yep. to like <laughs> that one guy responding in the crowd when Dandelion's trying to jazz them up yep. to yep. like the executioner who at first refuses to execute Dandelion because Dandelion won't forgive him. Oh, he won't forgive me. 
Yes. And you wonder how many times like Dandelion has done this before. That's so that is the big question that keeps repeating in my brain is like Dandelion has done this before. A lot. (laughs) Like, hasn't he? (laughs) He's very comfortable here right now. Yeah. um, I like we said before, I think that Joey Beatty would absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes. It's meant for him. Mm-hmm, it's meant mm-hmm. for someone with theatrical flair. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. He is. He was born to do this. Like in all honesty, this is. I I, I would pay so much money to see him do it. <laughs> um, and it was funny because, like, for a minute you thought, okay, Geralt and Siri are going to have to intervene here. They're going to have to save him yes, in some way. Yes. But it's like, <laughs> how? Like, how do you even get up the stage? We're like trapped in a crowd. Mm-hmm. And then we're all going to be beheaded because yeah, we're going to be arrested. There's probably at least a few other guards in here, and there's literally thousands of people right now. So, not about to fight through a crowd of thousands um, by myself. But then, like, literally, you were reading the scenes, and I was sitting there. I was like, Geralt's going to have to go back to the bank. He's going to have to take out the rest of his money because he's probably about to get banned <laughs> from being in Tucson ever again. All right, well, let's see how this plays out. Were you surprised by the way it played out? I was very surprised. I I was surprised, but not surprised. Mostly based on Dandelion's comfort. Like, it did seem like he had been... So we know that someone has attempted to execute Dandelion many times. Do we know that? Yes, he is. he has been to a gallows a few is times in his life. Is that an educated guess, John? That is a semi-educated okay. guess, yes. Um we know mm. many we know that many angry husbands have, you know, run after him with knives. And like, many of them were very powerful and important. So, yes, I imagine some in at least some point in time he has probably faced down a noose or two. His life has been threatened. Yes, yes. Um but also like because of the relationship he had with uh Anna Henrietta, like we also kind of get the vibe that like this may be a semi-regular thing for the both of them. Like when they have a fight that she just kind of like, all right, well off with your head now. And then like at the last minute, she's like, Oh, I guess I've changed my mind. Like, I guess I shouldn't kill him. They don't seem to have a very healthy relationship. Healthy isn't even a word that's in the same (laughs) book of their relationship. Um, we find out later that this was because Dandelion was caught having a fling with the Baron's daughter, Nike. And a- apparently, the Duchess didn't care as much about that as she did the Laissez Majesté. Well, that is the Laissez Majesté. That's. That oh, they, is... were, they were saying that was the, the insult to her. Yes, honor. because. By by cheating on her mm. and by engaging in general harlotry, he's general making harlotry. a mockery of the Duchess. So does specified harlotry exist? I think general harlotry might be a term I made up, but harlotry was mentioned. No, general harlotry was, was the term that was used in the book, if I remember right. I don't know. I don't know but, if specific harlotry is a thing. But I think in Dandelion's case, this this is probably not the first time by a mile that he's been caught cheating. Mm, mm-hmm. But he just doesn't really seem to like put it at all on her. He's like, yeah, men aren't meant to be monogamous. Like she'll realize that in time. 
Yeah. <laughs> he is just like that was overplaying a weird his hand like yeah. so much. It's like, okay, first of all, you get like lucky enough to be like the consort to a duchess. Mm-hmm. You get to live in the lap of luxury and you're still like engaging women on the side. Like what? What? Like that's, are you expecting? That's Dandelion. He is just always, he has no shame and he's just always like working towards more. I guess that is really like his character. Mm-hmm. It's always more, more, more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Business idea. Specified harlotry shop. I don't know what that means. It's it's just a shop that specializes in harlotry. Very uh, specific how does one harlotry. Specialize in harlotry. I don't know, maybe some like escape ladders, uh fake IDs. Like this um, is a dandelion specific store. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, burner phones. Gotta have those. Um. Oh, uh, fake pizza delivery costumes. Okay, I I think that this store is a little actually. Um, it all sounds over the place. it sounds more like a burglary store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about this, <laughs> we may be equipping people for uh for evil. Well, whether you're being equipped for evil or being equipped for harlotry, I guess it's one and the same. Those two things are not the same. How dare you insinuate such things? Well, you can't predict how they're going to use these things. Like if they go to a party city and buy like a costume, how can you tell that they're going to use it for good or evil? That's true. That's true. I suppose if you, I suppose if you, if you buy your party city clown costume and use it to terrorize children's parties, I, I guess it's not really on party city. Isn't it? Uh, it should be. Maybe. <laughs> um, do you think that Dan's Lion will try his luck in Toussaint again? Oh, absolutely. He is absolutely coming back at some point. And do you think Anna Henrietta will be happy to see him? Yes. Okay. She'll probably like slap him in the face at first when he comes back. Maybe throw him in the dungeon for a couple of weeks. Maybe torture him a little bit. But then she'll bring him back and, like, dress him all up and, like, put him in his little, like, duchy, ducal doll clothes. and Poodle costume. Yeah, and parade him through the the streets, basically. Okay. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to see that. I'm kind of sad because I do want to see that. We do have, you know, two other things that happen with Dandelion. Mm -hmm. One is that we learn that he has abandoned his tube of poetry Mm -hmm. and writings that he had during the trip uh, because, you know, he read them and he thinks he could, you know, do better if he starts anew. Hmm. Bold, bold assumption. Let's see how that works out for him, Cotton. I don't know how he's going to remember all that detail. I don't know. He, I mean, he does seem like he has a pretty good memory, but, you know, that that's a lot of detail. And also, I'm wondering if that's the tube of poetry that was burned. That was exactly where my brain went, was or, like, okay, which tube of poetry was it that got burned by the future kids then? Like... I think it's got to be the old one. I think it's got to be the old one, too. Otherwise, the narrator wouldn't have made such a note of it. Um, also, it is a really interesting, like, side commentary on oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, that's technically oral tradition kind of, um, that, you know, that this is kind of how it goes sometimes that like, sometimes we're working off of like a reproduction of a reproduction of some dude's memory of what he thought the story was. 
Yeah, that that's very much what Dandelion's eventual prose is going to be. Um, I mean, it does bring up a good point, though. We get these little snippets of like how the story is told, and I, I feel like a broken record at this point, but like how legends are made and and how these stories are passed down and. I think that, you know, even Siri, Geralt, and Yennefer riding, you know, as these spectral beings mm-hmm. gets exaggerated and, and grows over time. And I really like that imagery of, you know, the seeds being planted that wouldn't sprout for a long time. But yeah, later, these yeah. stories would be carried throughout the entire region. Yeah. And like, there's even bits in the story where, where that talks about that, like, um, how the they they the riders themselves passed into legend because they were so fast and like the legend spun out of control into like this greater arcing story of Siri and the Witcher and the wizard the sorceress Yennefer um, and how they became you know legendary uh, figures and and just larger than life taller action heroes that were traveling across the land having bold adventures and righting wrongs and Mm. you know slaying dragons literally and figuratively (laughs) um dandelion also learns this chapter what happened to the rest of the party um but oh yeah it's really just more confirmation because yeah i I guess when gerald just shows up without everyone else like it's probably a low chance that he just abandoned them somewhere yeah yeah that one that that scene kind of hit like it really did because Dandelion doesn't know anything about what happened. And so he's just kind of like, oh, hey, where's uh, where's Milva, uh, Angolam, But Kay he here, doesn't and- ask that. He doesn't ask at all. Like, no, yeah. He's he silent just- about it. And I think he's silent because like he knows that mm. whatever is on the other side of that question is going mm-hmm. to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And he almost doesn't want to know, which is fair. Mm hmm. But, like, they always knew it was kind of a suicide mission. So I don't think yeah. it, it comes as too big of a surprise. But it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, even where like even in a suicide mission, like, it's human nature to want to, like, hope for it not to turn out that way, you know? And just kind of yeah. think that, like, oh, well, I'll be the exception to the rule. You know what I mean? I think we were all hoping for that. We were. We were really all hoping for that. I was really hoping at least Milva and Regis would make it out. You were like, K here and Angle M, fuck them. No, because we knew. I don't, I don't want to say fuck them, but like we kind of knew what the score was with those two. Did we? We did. I mean, K here is more marked for death. Where, but... Yeah, like where, where is he going to go? Like he's, he's, a, he's a, a persona non grata in both the Northern Kingdoms and Nilfgaard. I don't know. He could probably be okay in two songs, but yeah, you're right. His character arc had stopped. Yeah, absolutely. It had ended. Yep. Yeah. And it, it was satisfying too, because he was a character of weight and of value. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a, you know, a, a paper red shirt. Angolem, as I've, uh, this is old territory, but yeah, yeah, she, we didn't, we weren't that attached to her. Oh, fine. Um, so Geralt kind of retraces the party's steps like in reverse, which I thought was really interesting. So they're seeing these glimpses of what happened after the war. This new bridge has been built um, next to the one they fought on. 
Um, they go by the hanging tree, which I think is the same tree that they encountered earlier when Zoltan and everyone was with them. And now it's just got all these notices that it kind of reminds me of like 9-11 when there was that mm, like wall mm. of like lost, like, can you help me find my family member sort yeah, of posters. Yeah. Um, and like the whole time, like I mentioned before, Geralt just has this dread growing inside him because he knows that his time with Siri is limited. And she finally leaves and it's as bad as he expected. And Dandelion's so confused, like, how is she going to do this logistically? And, like, Geralt, of course, knows that she transcends space and time. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a really sad moment for him because he knows that nothing is ever going to be the same. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and, like, I know... We knew that Geralt going into, like, all of this, all of everything, kind of knew that... Uh, things were never going to be the same again but like there's never really been like a like a marked turning point for that you know what i mean it's always been like okay well siri's gone now now we got to get her back and then things maybe will go back to being the same but now that she's back there's a lot of confirmation that it'll never be the same yeah um should we get to the conclave and siri and yennefer appearing in front of them um, I was going to say one last thing. Um, it's a little bit like, at least with um, with things never being the same between Siri and Geralt, um, you know, the, the old expression that you can never really go home. Um, it's kind of that the idea that, like, you know, it, it's not that you, you can't go home. It's that um, um, that old saying that, like, you can never set your your foot in the same stream twice. Um, because when you put your foot in the second time, it's different water that is passing by that point. Um, that it's, everything is constantly in flux. And so like when you go to back to revisit, you know, old relationships with family and friends, like things have changed because time is still progressing forward. So, well, they've changed and you've changed too. Exactly. So, and the places themselves change Mm -hmm. and like, I think, Again, that speaks to parenthood, letting people go, even when it's hard. And I think that Geralt's mm-hmm. really struggling with that because yes. he's finally gotten what he wanted. Yep. Which is Siri. Yeah. Like he wanted Siri to be here, to be safe. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. realized that it's it's kind of too late in a way. Yeah. She like, kind of always has been safe. Well, she's kind of recently been safe by her own doing. And, like, he's missed a lot of moments, and, like, now it's time to let her go again. And Mm -hmm. that's maybe the most hurtful thing, is that... Because now he has to kind of let her go voluntarily. Yes. And and you feel for Geralt a Mm -hmm. lot in these Mm -hmm. moments. It's not easy for him. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we want them... And I think this chapter is so rife and important with, like... The the reason this chapter is so much fun is because it is very nice and satisfying to see the, you know, fun adventures and romps with Siri and Geralt and Yen, um, because that's ultimately like what we want for the ending of this book. Like this is this is the ideal outcome. This is exactly how we want it to end. But it's probably not going to last. So nothing ever does. There was a lot of like post-war sort of like world building because we haven't really seen what the north looks like 
after the peace treaty of Sintra. Yeah, yeah. It was very interesting to see the um to see the outcome of that with the with that um that regiment that d- d- uh, division that platoon that was like escorting all the Nilfgaardian settlers out of the north. Yeah, like that inflammatory language that the one sub-lieutenant is using, calling them cockroaches, mm-hmm. calling them, you know, like he would have killed them if he had the chance. Like they don't speak our language. They're not from yeah. here. They're not our <laughs> yeah. blood. Um, yeah. yeah. They're not like us. And go back home. Go back where you came from. Yep, yep. And even though the Nelf Guardians haven't been here that long, it's like you can imagine, you know, people that are not related to Amir or his friends, yeah, yep. people who have just settled in hopes of making a better life. Hey, this is a nice place. No one's using it. Let's build a house here. And they're, you know, driven out again and they have to go back mm-hmm. again. And it's like while this, you know, 18-year-old is you know, talking a bunch of crap about yeah, them. And, yeah, and how, he wished he could, them. how he wished he could kill them. Like, And it's really like it's steeped in this xenophobia and a lot of fear. Like mm-hmm. you see a lot of this. And I mean, like it reminds me a lot of like a yep, lot of the conversation yep. that happens before genocide yep. and um, happens after war mm-hmm. is a lot about like dehumanizing the other. Yep, yep. And, like, it's not just the people that are aggressors that do this. It's the people that, you know, may have been seen as the good guys. Like, how many Mm -hmm. of our grandparents in the United States had a lot of racist things to say for years and years about Mm -hmm. Germans, Japanese people, I mean, Italians. It's not just a bad countries do bad things. Yeah, yep. The victors, the people mm. that we we identify with, also do this stuff, and I think that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, now that I think of it, like, never really encountered a whole lot of like racism against German people in like our grandparents' generation, but did come across a lot against Japanese people. Not to get into this any yeah, further. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wasn't really there, trying to. There are racial anything. elements as well. I mean, it does seem to be a little easier to dehumanize people that are not of your culture, don't speak your language. Yeah. Um, people who look different than you. Like that is a lot easier as human beings to separate ourselves yeah. versus them. Yeah. And, and Us we, we've, versus them, I we've mean. talked about a, a good bit about that on the podcast before that like, yeah, I guess like at least looking at it from, you know, historic perspective, like um, it'd probably be a lot easier to digest, you know, uh, someone of German heritage as being much closer to uh, separation from self than someone from of Japanese heritage. Well, it's Espe- also at least for Americans. It's also people that assimilate easiest. Yeah, and yeah, the people that tend to assimilate easiest are people that are white, people that look like you. I mean, it's a lot easier for them to blend in, and over you know three generations, you know, maybe yep. one generation, yep. you're like oh, okay, these people are Americans. But it does show, you know, this sub-lieutenant, what he's saying, how these settlers are being treated, speaks a lot to this xenophobia, a lot of this fear of, like, what's going to happen if we allow an other to settle 
They're going to betray us. They're going to rise up against us. It's a slippery slope, people. What are we just supposed to accept? Someone who's different? Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, we'll be accepting people who are more different. Yeah, so I thought this was just very interesting. And we're also learning that Geralt doesn't want to intervene anymore. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, Geralt has kind of always... Like, he Geralt started out as a non-intervention type policy. But then he got... But then he got very pro-intervention through some hard lessons. But now we see him kind of returning to the, the non-intervention thing. Well, I think that... Um he started out like when he became a witcher, you know, mm. he had that story about how he intervened and saved a girl who was being raped. And like, he was kind of like, Oh, Hey, like, where's my thank you? Where's my bouquet? And the girl like threw up all over him. Yeah. And like, I think that he sort of had to get used to not intervening as much, but mm. he always had that, desire to help people yeah yeah deep inside but i think he's been so burnt out like at this point he's like what does it matter there's Mm. so much bad in the world that like me intervening is just a drop in a bucket yeah like it doesn't matter and i think i think maybe he's also learned to be a lot more strategic with his intervention um that he wants to try to he probably tries to withdraw and hold his intervention for only when it's really going to make some impact kind of thing. Cause like, yeah, he could probably kill like most of that battalion or whatever of, of soldiers. Um, but it's only going to make him like an outlaw and like, it's only going to get him in trouble with the law. Um, and it's, it's only really going to cause problems. And basically like right now, all he's seeing them do is just, kind of round up these these settlers and like escort them out of the north which and is icky and, yeah and yeah people i'm, I'm not sure. saying any of it is okay i just like i think in Geralt's mind is like I, there's not really much i can do here because even if i kill these guys somebody else is just going to show up and do the same thing but I think that's what I mean about Geralt being tired. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Geralt's willing to do the same things as he was, you know, a few years ago. He's he's done. And, like, the only thing that really matters to him right now is, like, his current mission. And, like, everything else is superfluous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I like, generally, I just think, like, Geralt's tired of being the one that intervenes. He's yeah, tired yeah. of getting into it. <laughs> Let you know? somebody else do it at this point. Yeah. Um, but it, it is... A difference. We're seeing that change in him. Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you think Geralt's big surprise is in Rivia? I the only thing I can think of is that like he actually has like a he bought a house or like he actually has like a some like royal lineage now or something like that. Maybe because of the war. Um, because he was actually like knighted as Sir Geralt of Rivia. Well, um, he didn't actually get like his you know coat of arms. That's true. He everything. never really like formally accepted it. I guess he so, ran away. Yeah, they're probably pretty pissed at him up there. Yeah, but they might not be. I don't think those people were actually from Rivia though. So he well, may get to were, Rivia. It was Meve, Queen yeah, Meve yeah. of Lyria. And I think that, I mean, that's one theory. He could be going to see Meeve and maybe... Mm, maybe trying to make amends for running. 
I mean, that would be really weird. It'd be really weird. <laughs> but like maybe he's trying to secure some kind of future. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know either. So predictions. Yeah, I guess we kind of transitioned into that. No, I um, mean, I still have more to talk about. Okay, but I've okay. just been really curious about what this surprise is because like... I don't know what it is. Like yeah, half yeah. of the people that Geralt has known have died. Yes. There are not a lot of people that he knows that are alive. Our list of allies moment. grows thin. I mean, the only other thing I was thinking is maybe like Papa Vesemir, like maybe some witchers are here. Like, yeah, but none of them are really usually in Rivia. I know, but maybe they're doing a witcher meetup. Uh, maybe. <laughs> a girl can dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, I legitimately have no clue what's going on um, other than, you know, that Geralt is trying to cash in on something, mm-hmm. trying to pave a future for them. Like, I I don't know. And maybe he has an alternate plan for Siri. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe he knows that, you know, the Lodge is trying to wrestle power and he has, you know, an- another proposal. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I have literally no idea as to what's going on here. Yeah. And I, I guess we'll just have to find out. Um, let's talk about the conclave, about the lodge. Yes. A lot happened. Siri, you know, makes her audience in front of them. And, you know, I think it's very, it's a very mixed reaction to her. Um, I think people are very happy to see her. They're very impressed by her. But at the same time, they want to control her. They Mm -hmm. want to bend her to their will. And she's just not willing to do that anymore. Which is good for her. And and like like I said earlier in the episode, um, that I think the the thing that people don't seem to grasp is the fact that Siri has heard the, oh, it's for your own good and it's for the greater good of the world. Um, she's heard that narrative for the past three years straight. Like every single person has said that that's told her is that like, Oh, this is for the good of the world. This is for everyone's greater good. Um, and the only people that she can really trust with that is Geralt and Yen. Like they're the only ones that she has developed the ability to trust because she feels, she knows that they are on her side no matter what. Yeah. And I think, it's very interesting how Shayla de Tankerville in particular goes after her. Oh, I wanted to slap her. I mean, she I was, wanted to slap her so hard. She kind of took over. I mean, like, excuse Even, me for saying so, <laughs> but she kind of took over the bitch throne from Philippa. Yeah, she did. Like Philippa was there and she's like, move aside. I've got this. I've got the bitch pants on. Like, <laughs> sorry. Let me just completely get my anger out here. Yeah, like. like yeah, and she's just like, oh, you're just a you know an insolent little little kitten. cat, you're little kitten. kitten. Like, eh. <laughs> we gotta grab you by the scruff of the neck and like, woman, better better people than you have tried. Like, <laughs> and like even through that, Jennifer is trying to restrain Siri, but like Siri just can't be calmed down. Yeah, like, yeah. But- I, I was angry with Siri in that that scene. Like, ah. <laughs> 
like you said, it's just, it's such an interesting thing how everyone thinks they're so different and everyone yes. thinks that they are the ones that are securing the good of the world. Mm-hmm. But all these plans are just the same. Like yeah. no one is actually like trying to harness Siri for Siri. Everyone thinks mm-hmm. that her child is the one that matters. It's like, yeah, no, you have the main event right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys don't even know. You don't yeah, know the yeah. half of it. You don't okay, even know a so quarter of it. You, you've signed up for Saving the World, uh, Chosen One, 101. Okay, so first order of business, uh, get pregnant right now. Go. Let's go. Come on. Go, go, go. Get pregnant. <laughs> Come on. Time's a-wasting. Um, and it's just like that's all they boil down to. And it's just like, uh, okay, like, doesn't, doesn't anybody have any, like, care about what I feel, you know, or, you know, as Siri um doesn't anybody care what siri has to say or like any you know personal agency in any of that like and that's what yennefer keeps saying like listen to her like just shut your mouth and listen yeah she has agency in this she has a choice and as i said before it's just so wild to me that they're like if you don't like obey us like we are going to bend you to our will and like we don't like yennefer because like one time she was brought here against her will and didn't want to play mm-hmm. ball with us because we wanted to do this creepy thing to her daughter. And now we're charging her with a felony or something. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand this lodge but, anymore. But yet they don't realize that like, okay, Yennefer escaped from them, but, you know, fought against them. And like, th- like really they have no actual power here. Like, yeah, you guys are powerful sorceresses, et cetera, et cetera. But like, they have no authority here. Like, yeah, like there's nothing that they can do. Like Siri is both more powerful than them magically and like physically with swords, like just saying. Yeah. She definitely could have, could have been rougher on them. She could have, mm-hmm. you know, kicked and screamed or returned some of Shayla's, you know, mm-hmm. very strong language. But I thought she was very measured. Like she was just standing up for herself and they didn't like that. Yeah, no, they didn't they didn't want her to stand up for herself. They wanted her to just be like, "Okay, yes, I will do exactly what the lodge says. Yes, I will go get married to to Tangred. Tangred right away. We'll have lots of babies. Um I'm perfectly happy to be a nameless lover." Um, who just happens to have like the chosen babies? Yes, that's they, they that's. They might a, be able to secure her like a princess title. Oh yeah, if you really play ball, we might be able to get you a princess title. You know, we might be able to do that. Meanwhile, I think like Siri's thinking in the back of her head, like, no, if I want that, I can take it at any time. <laughs> like, I don't need your help. I don't need your help. Like, I can if I choose to be a princess, I can just go show my face in Nilfgaard and be like, yo, I'm it. (laughs) But even so, like she still is like, you know, going along with the plan. She just has one request. Like I want to see Geralt and like everyone's kind of butthurt about that. Like Mm -hmm. Shayla, especially. Um, But Philippa calls her a hottie maid. Like, are we really letting this hottie maid, you Mm -hmm. know, embrace sentimentality that we're going to have to take away from her? Um, and like, oh, you think you can change that? <laughs> so, like, you know, we get sort of the usual suspects voting no, though mm. I was a little disappointed by Kira Metz. Like, come on. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a that, that one was also a little disappointing, but she did like 
it, I, I thought it was interesting that she, she had justification. She did explain herself well. But. Everyone explains themselves well, except Francesca, who's like, I don't need reasons. <laughs> my reasons are my own uh, and that I am awful. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like joy. Uh, I don't like when others have joy. So We're no. all monsters here. We're, we're all monsters here. Yes. Um, so, Tris votes yes. Um, we get um, Margarita Lowenteel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. voting yes, which is... A little bit of a surprise, honestly. Well, but. she did get to know Siri. She did. She was there when Siri ran away to go see Geralt. So, mm-hmm. you know, Siri was able to sort of appeal to that with her. And oh, she's yeah, like, that's true. Yep. I know that she's to be trusted. I know she'll come back. Yeah, yeah. And she really votes for her in the name of Tissaia de Rise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who she knows would not be on board with this compulsion. And I think, I think a lot of the point of all of this diplomacy is that I think both Yen and at least um, Margarita probably both understand that, like, if we, it will work out better for all parties involved if everybody is nice to each other and just like you know, works with courtesy rather than, you know, with the threat of a whip. Um, Because at the end of the day, everyone is here voluntarily. Everyone is participating voluntarily. And I think that's the problem that the Lodge just doesn't understand is the fact that, like, Siri can can pull the card at any any time that she wants. Yeah. Um, But now that she is working with the wisdom of Yen... I think a lot of Yen is influencing and saying like, hey, this will be easier if we get them to leave us alone. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think one of the major reasons they want to sever ties with her and Geralt and also Yennefer is because both Yennefer and Geralt are not conformers. Correct. They're not people that follow rules. They're not part of the group. They don't play nice. And I think that she, I mean... Siri is that way too. And I think they worry that if she goes to see Geralt, Geralt's going to talk her out of it. Geralt's going to have his influence on her and she's going to run away. And that is what scares them the most, her being independent and out of their grasp. Yep. I 100% agree that, yeah, they just don't like not having control over her. But they need to realize that they don't have control over her in the first place. And that's what they're missing. So ultimately... Philippa is the big surprise vote. I mean... Yeah, that that one was surprising. Um, and I'm not entirely sure where that came from. But I, Philippa is very diplomatic. She's a lot of things, but she is also very diplomatic. And she probably does realize that in order to get something, you have to give something to some extent. Yeah, I was, you know, surprised to a certain extent by Frangilla Vigo because I think she was actually pretty thoughtful in saying, you know, I know what Geralt went through and it kind of showed that she was making amends for a little bit of her tampering there. Yeah, yep. Um, But Philippa, I think that flashback was her hearing the voice of her mother or father. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, she's realizing that... That was important to her. It's important to Siri. Like, Siri has to see this person that's so important to her before yeah, she, yep. you know, she might not ever see him again. Yes. And yes. I think if Philippa had that opportunity to see that parent or that mm-hmm, guardian mm-hmm. again, she would, you know, give anything for she that. Would, she would want to take that opportunity. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, for being someone who 
kind of said sentimentality has to be cut from the girl. She's someone who actually secretly has a lot of it. Well, yeah, and and I think I think a lot of these a lot of the really talented sorceresses in this world seem to understand that like they can't be guided. They're they're a little bit like Jedi in that they the good Jedi, the well the well done Jedi in that they realize that they kind of they they can never fully remove themselves from emotions, but they can remove themselves from their, their emotional influences. Um, so like, yeah, it's, it's okay to be sentimental, but it's not okay to be guided entirely by your sentimentality. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's one thing. That's one thing that we really have seen with Yennefer's training of Siri is that, she wants her to be able to control all of that. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. really tried to give her the tools to do that. But at yes. the end of the day, she realizes, you know, Siri is kind of not adhering to the rules that other people have to adhere to. Correct. Correct. But that she can ultimately decide when to follow rules and when to when to break them. And it's interesting because we don't see, you know, a young Jennifer in the book. We don't That's see true. much of it. We do see it in the TV series that they've tried to build it up that Desea's tutelage of mm. Yennefer was, you know, trying to get her to temper that emotion because Tesea saw something of herself in Yennefer and thinks that she's sort of guided by this emotion. And in the same way, I think that Yennefer sees that in Siri. And it's very interesting that to say it arise looms very large mm. over this lodge, even mm. though, you know, Philippa wants to distance yeah, yep. the lodge from her. I think all of them were students of hers at a certain point, maybe not a seer or Fringilla. But I think that it's hard for them to reconcile their missions now with what lessons to say it would have taught them yeah and what to say it would have thought um and i just i find that really fascinating yeah and i I think that um i think that the show is setting up really well for a sort of like mother-daughter dynamic very heavily with siri and yen i mean obviously it's it's they're leaning on it and foreshadowing it pretty heavily um but i think it will set up very very well especially with all the groundwork we've seen in yen's backstory because I think they're trying to build that up with Tesea and Yennefer as well. Yeah, yep. And I think that's really the model that Yennefer is using when she's training Siri. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and we see we see hints of that here in the books, but we don't really like see it fully like described and fleshed out, but How do you think this all ends? Because we see that everything's going to converge in this final chapter. Siri, Yennefer, and Geralt are going to come together again. And we are kind of unsure of how that's going to go for them. I I have a sneaking suspicion that Siri is going to disappear again. Um, but I think it'll be a little bit of a different thing um, because I think, I, I think it'll be a little bit more of like, a, you know, okay, I have to go into isolation now because no one can know where I am because everyone will constantly try to try to get me. Um, so I think it'll be kind of like a happy, sad goodbye um, that I think that, you know, that uh, Geralt and Yen will probably realize that they can't always be with her. Um, but she's kind of, it'll kind of be like Siri goes off to college. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like kind of like this is it this is the final time that they're leaving 
Um, but it's kind of a good, this is when they're supposed to, they're not being ripped out violently, you know, non-voluntarily. Um, and they know that they, they can't follow her kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that something bad is going to happen, which I think is probably the understatement Mm, of the mm -hmm. century. But I think something kind of, ominous is going to happen and, mm. and I think that at least one person's going to die yeah yeah and I'm not talking about like just a red shirt yeah no I, I, I fully fully agree with you and and there's definitely the possibility for a couple people and we know that Siri lives because at the beginning, you know, she meets, you know, one of the knights of the round table. We know that something big happened because mm, when, mm. you know, that knight meets her, she's bloody. She is hardened. She talks about, you know, not being able to save her friends. So what does that mean? That's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I mean, I think I kind of assumed at that time it, she meant like the rats, but that wouldn't have made sense for where she was in, in her timeline. But but it gives us a lot of hope because we know that Siri is not going to be beholden to the plans of anyone. She's going to be free to a certain extent. We want her free like a bird, like a little swallow. So what we know, just to put some puzzle pieces together, mm -hmm. is that Geralt has a surprise in Rivia, mm -hmm. which we've never seen in yeah, the book. We have, yeah, that's true. And Yennefer and Ciri are going to ride to meet him there. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, Triss is also coming. Oh, yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. at least she invited herself along. She, she did invite herself. <laughs> hey, uh, I know you guys are going on the super special uh, trip to, to Rivia to meet with your, like, dad. You need a and fourth this is like, wheel? Yeah, like, I'm just going to come. Like, <laughs> Triss is like, let me hitch this. this uh, yeah, I'm just going to rope it right in here. I'm just picturing her, like, hitching her horse to a wagon or something. Like, yes, I'm yep. coming along. I, I, very much picture, I very much picture Triss, and maybe this is the hot holidays talking i very much picture tris as like the john candy like um of <laughs> of planes trains and automobiles like in this yes. scenario like oh you're going to you're going to rivia huh yeah okay wow hey we could travel together <laughs> i just hope she doesn't make it weird you know like oh she's gonna make it all kinds of weird she's gonna like, help in the conversation with Geralt. like how is that gonna go like okay Geralt, we want your daughter to be inseminated, but it's not what you think. Not in a weird way. Um, she's uh, going to go to Kavir mm -hmm. and seduce Prince Tancred. Don't worry, we're going to give her all the seduction lessons. We're going to teach her how to make dudes hard. <laughs> God, you shouldn't Wait. have to say it like that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I mean, we're going to teach her the ways of beguilement. <laughs> Is that better? No. Less weird? No, okay. <laughs> Not less weird? All right. Well, all right, let's steer into it. So once we do that, no, uh, no, 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 no. she's immediately going to get pregnant. Then she's got him. We're going to hook him. We're, we got him hooked, you know. Um, she's going to be basically a concubine. Um, but hopefully we can but secure a higher title. Hopefully she's going to be a really good concubine. And we can work her up to, like, you know, like maybe a princess. I mean, it sounds like a sweet deal. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like a real pretty woman type situation here. <laughs> we can really Julia Roberts this. 
like this situation there's no way that anyone's gonna be on board with this like and that's the thing that like i really don't understand about any of them is that like everyone makes plans for her like and like (sighs) okay question new theory what if like siri decides okay no i'm not going to do it and like Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer have to fight off like members of the lodge who are coming to claim what's theirs. I mean, I think that could be a possibility, but I kind of feel like they're gonna they're gonna end the lodge more diplomatically. Hmm. But then, like Geralt wouldn't have to fight like Philippa. Yeah, I don't think that. I I, I don't think that would be much of an even. Who do you match. think would win in a fight? I think Philippa would, honestly. Yeah, she'd probably whoop his ass. Yeah, yeah. Geralt's strong and powerful, but like... He would try. He, yeah, he would. He absolutely would. And he'd do probably pretty well, but like... Philippa would still melt his face. Is it the end of the Lodge if Ciri doesn't go along yes. with them? Yes, like, 100%. That's kind of their only Yes. Um, it, and I think that's probably one of the big motivations of the Lodge right now is that it is probably trying to justify its own existence. And so, like, if they can't even get this right, then why is anyone involved in the Lodge? Yeah, that, that's a good point. This is, like, the most important thing in existence right now. So, like, okay, if you guys can't get your shit together on this, like, how can I trust you with, like, the subtle nuances between, like, border relations between our kingdoms? You know what's interesting is that all the members of the, of the Lodge say they're jealous of Yennefer because she has Ciri as a daughter. But I think that the reason that, you know, Ciri has been drawn to these two parental figures is that they're the only ones who have never wanted anything out of her. Correct. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to get at before was that, like, the two of them are the only people that Siri can trust to have her own interests at heart. It's yes. not that hard. <laughs> like, just don't make plans for her. But they don't understand that. Like, no, I don't know why it's hard to understand. I, I'm sorry. I'm also sorry. Like, it's kind of a pet peeve for me that when people make plans that involve me, but I'm not a part of making the plans. Yeah, and they're like, of course, these are the plans. You're going to go along You're going to go do this thing. You're going to go here and pick up these things and go get this stuff. Um, I, why was I not asked or consulted in any way? She doesn't have any agency. Yeah, no, no. One more thing I didn't bring up is that Siri has chosen a name for herself. She has. She has. Siri of Vengerberg after Siri her mom. Siri of Vengerberg, Yes. What do we think about this? I, I kind of knew it was coming as soon as they, they asked her like about last names. I was like, she's going to pick Yen. Like, of course. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm 100% here for it. And I'm super excited by it. I like that she has a little bit of something from each parent. Yes. Like, yep. you know, she's a witcher like Carol. Mm-hmm. But she's also, you know, she's like Yennefer. She might not be like a pure sorceress, but she has that training. She identifies mm-hmm. with that. So I think it's just, it's a very nice homage. Absolutely. Well, this is the end of the penultimate chapter, and we only have one left. I know. 34 pages, folks. 34 pages. We're close, and it's a little. I mean, I didn't know if we would get this far. I, <laughs> like, I honestly didn't think we'd get this far. Um, 
And, I mean, it's been what? About a year and a half? Yes. Yep. About a year and a half that we've been doing this. Not so. a lot of breaks. I mean, yeah, we've, we've probably taken a good a we've only missed like off. We've only missed like two or three. But, you know, we're like 63 episodes in, so it's, yeah. it's been a long time coming. It has. It has. And 34 pages. 34 pages. And then when we're done... We're gonna, what do we do now? We're going <laughs> to get to watch the entire second season. We are. We are going to get to do the entire second season. So, And I don't know what, what it's going to be like. Like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? It's going to be garbage, isn't it? I hope it's not. It's going to be garbage. We're going to be so upset. I'm going to choose to believe that it's okay. <laughs> Joey Beatty and... Uh, who are you Henry Cavill. Of? Oh God, I forgot Henry Cavill's name. Joey Beatty and Henry Cavill will, of course, make almost everything right. But well, a couple of things I'm excited about because we won't get to do like any bonus episodes because mm-hmm. we kind of ran out of time. Yeah. A couple of things I'm excited about. Excited about meeting new characters. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to meet like a Deekstra. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited about the dear friend letter. Oh, of God, course. Yes. And hopefully more relationship building between Geralt and Siri and mm. Siri and Yennefer because we really didn't get much, if nope. anything. Like we got the hug at the end, yeah. and that that was about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That felt a little weak, but anyways, yeah, um, yeah. Lots of cool stuff to be excited about then. But until next time, I think the fire is getting a little low, and uh, I need to go prepare my 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 like outline on the couch um, for binging 16 hours of Witcher straight. Um, It's going to take a lot of like squishing in. (laughs) Um, I have a couple of like little like uh, hollows that I, that I like to like squirrel away popcorn Mm. into. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Don't look under the couch. It's, it's gross. Um, I forget it's in there sometimes. Um, It's my dark secret that I've been keeping for years. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take in. I know. But uh, it requires a lot of preparation. Um, there's a lot of cocooning involved. I have to usually make some silk with my forearms. Cocooning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you don't do that? This is getting a little strange. Only now it's getting strange? I mean, it's getting stranger. All right. Anyways, until next time, I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night. Good night.